just a good-looking pair. And any barmaid can be a star maid. If she dances with or without a plan, hooray for Hollywood. When you're terrific, if you're even good. Where anyone at all from Shirley Temple to Amy Semple is equally understood. Go out and try your luck. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you, looking squarely at you, are listening to a Rattleton Broadcasting premiere podcast. Damn you, Hollywood. And here's your host, Robert Winfrey. Yay! I still get him. <laughs> For those you of you indulging. When you, when you do the obvious pantomime where you're like, that's where i lose it every time for those of you listening to the audio only version of this you miss out on me miming along with mark's introduction (laughs) to try and pop him and it's still working so i'm gonna keep doing it i i I enjoy your your comedic enthusiasm when you display it sir (laughs) yeah that's the last smile i'm gonna give on this entire show (laughs) it's all downhill from here we're at a minute and 39 seconds hey we have a guest we do yes yeah, tonight on Damn You Hollywood, we are talking about Matt Reeves, the Batman. And who better to talk about the Batman than Andrew Graham from the Canadian office with the Scottish flag in the background. And I'm sure he's got a very large sword just off screen named after his mother, too. And I hate uh, the that I'm making that stupid stupid reference because I actually, yeah, that's a, my disenchantment with the world of professional wrestling. I never got re-enchanted, to be quite candid, but I cover it now. So now I have gobs of information related to it stored in my head you're you professionally engaged <laughs> you poor unfortunate soul hey yeah. what if what if i'm just gonna posit an idea another, Maybe thing, with, another thing involving jeffrey wright but sure um <laughs> what if martin scorsese directed a batman movie what if he was like i want to do the irishman but I want people to watch it. So I'll do Batman instead. What would that look like? That was my that was my thought. And and I know you probably disagree with that, but that was that's how I feel. And right now, right now, I just want to talk about feelings. Okay. When I walked out of a sandwich. <laughs> when I walked out of the Batman, uh, first of all, I have to Say, the guy who yells at people for clapping at the end of movies because they can't hear you, they're not not doing a stage performance, led the standing ovation for the Batman. Like, I was first up and first one clapping at the time. Um, And I, I had, like, quite mist in my eyes. Like, I just absolutely love this movie. So, for the Chris Baileys of the world who have always wanted to hear me gush about something here it comes get ready i'm gonna gush about this movie and then we'll get into the actual craft review where i have to talk about film elements and stuff that may or may not have worked but from just a pure fan perspective andrew this was everything i've ever wanted a batman movie to be i i wanted like gritty crime noir detective batman i wanted 
you know, you, you and I talked before the show started tonight about um, uh, Rorschach and the Watchmen, that sort of thing. I wanted that pulpy detective noir. Uh, and that's what I got here. I wanted a movie that yawned and stretched and really gave scenes time to breathe. I wanted, um, I wanted the characters to sit on screen with their feelings for just a few minutes before we got back to the punching. I liked the fact that Robert Pattinson's Batman is only two years into his mission and he's already feeling like he doesn't have a handle on things and it's gotten away from him and he's wondering if this is doing any good. And then by the end of it, he sees the value in what he's doing that, you know, it's not about trying to empty the ocean with a teacup. It's just about being present and standing up for what's right. That's the arc that he goes on. I like that. Um, I love the aesthetic of this, you know, the dirty, grimy, lived-in city. I mean, this I lived in New York. This is what New York feels like. Um, but like New York before the Disney Disneyfication of it, you know, before there was money in, in Midtown Manhattan again. I... I brought up like Martin Scorsese, and again, that I guess that's up for discussion. For me, like having watched The Irishman, having watched some of these other mob movies, things like Casino, there's a uh, a prestige about them. There's a, a gravitas that I think Matt Reeves brought to the Batman. That's that's the comparison that I'm making. That's the parallel. So I'm going to take a breath and go over to you and let you weigh in on this, but. When I was done watching this thing, never if I was the only one on earth who liked it, that's fine. But for me, this I have no subjective complaints about this movie. I don't care how he looks in the suit, if he looks too small for people. I don't care about the runtime. I feel like the movie earned its runtime. I feel like you needed a hard-boiled, long three-hour runtime to get through this story i love the message of it i like the idea of you know the veneer of the upper crust and the upper class and you know the lies beneath the surface and somebody i think it's, it's very i don't know how well this movie is going to age but i think for right now it's it's it is present day mythology you know it is speaking to things that we're having national conversation about right now this was very much a movie of its time. And the last thing I'll say, and I swear to God, I'll shut up now, is the thing that I like best about it, the thing that I was like, this is why this is the best Batman movie I've, this is the Batman movie I've always wanted, is it's not an origin story. It's not he's, it's not the Dark Knight Returns where he's, it's after his career and he has to come back for one final fight. It's, it's like a Batman graphic novel in the midst of his career. You know, it's two years in, so it's early, 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 but it just feels like a self-contained story, a self-contained story. There's no, you know, there's no sequel. There's no prequel. There's nothing. You know, this was you open the book, you read the story. It has definitive middle and end, and it takes you on this ride and it wraps up very neatly. When I say self-contained, I don't even mean like you don't have to read other source material or it's connected to something else. I mean, like. Matt Reeves started out with a very definitive beginning, brought you to a crescendo. There was falling action and it wraps everything up. And when you're done, you have this very complete project. You have an this, arc. You have an arc. You have 
a fully composed piece of art for you to either discard or appreciate it your well. I'm not telling people they have to like this movie. You have to like this movie. Um, but <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like so much of what we're dealing with is it's a part, it's a part and parcel of this bigger thing. You know, it's another widget on the thing. This was this was a painting, a fully composed, vibrant painting that the artist put the last bit of paint on the canvas, framed it, put it on the wall, and there it is. No more, no less, Andrew Graham. You know what, Mark? A lot of those points, I could not agree with you more on. This was a fantastic Batman movie. Probably the most, I mean, I think probably the first thing I can think of is that starting with a character that debuted in Detective Comics, he mm -hmm. was a detective in this movie. This was yes. a mystery. This was something that we haven't seen. Now, I've loved most of the other Batman movies, most of the other Batman depictions love the Nolan trilogy, love the original 89 movie, but mm -hmm. those never really let him be a detective. And this was specifically one where, where it was set up that way. And to talk about a little bit on how I felt going into this movie. I mean, I think after the, um, I guess six past years of DC being up and down in terms of their content, schizophrenic, Schizophrenic is a good word. Uh, uneven is probably a good word. I was mm -hmm. cautiously optimistic. I was kind of expecting, you know, I, I was really hoping it's going to be a good kind of gritty detective story mm -hmm. that just kind of self-contained is all of those things. And then you talked a little bit about the theme, and we'll probably get into this later. The message and the, the arc they take Batman on, the message that they take relative to our current time Mm -hmm. blew me absolutely away i am not gonna lie i cried during parts of this movie particularly near um the kind of the ending monologue on the rooftop and stuff like that 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 absolutely got to me because i think it's emotionally think after, resonant isn't it it well there's so much stuff that is and i mean after the last two years fuck the last two months it's a message that i think a lot of us need to revisit and i think mm -hmm. it it does speak to the moment to me in a lot of ways um that also said, I mean, just as a comic book fan, this movie worked. Like you said, it. Yeah. tone was right. This was probably the most, pardon me as I consult my notes, so I'm not just jumping over the place. You know, the look and design of Gotham was so right. It, it got this right. And they had to film it in three cities, but they got, they got the downtown Gotham that's nice. You got the industrial Gotham that's rough. And you were actually able to go to a city like Glasgow, Scotland, and go mm -hmm. find a place that is... Um, you know, has that gothic architecture that you find all over Gotham City, but you don't find in a single city in America. <laughs> but it just, it hit everything so well. All the characters were, were well real, realized. They had their arcs. There was there was texture to this movie. Mm -hmm. And the action was great. Um, I'm running out of superlatives at this point, but I was just absolutely enthralled by it. We'll talk a little bit about what my feeling are, is in, on length here, but I mean, I was I was... I went in there with moderate expectations and it knocked mm -hmm. it out of the freaking park. I was worried about this movie. I'm not, not going to yeah. lie. I was not tremendously excited for it. I was more excited to just be going to event pictures again. You know, something I really, really was looking forward to, you know, a happening. And now we just yeah. had a happening with, with, with Spider-Man, but we haven't had any since then. Um, we've had some decent movies, you know, people came out for Scream, people came out for Jackass, uh, but not a lot of happenings. You know, last year when Godzilla versus Kong 
hit the theaters. We were just coming out of a lot of lockdowns. Theaters were theaters in a lot of major metropolitan areas, New York and Los Angeles, were just now becoming open. You know, and we hadn't, and then, and by that point, we hadn't really had a happening in over a yeah. year. So it's not quite that level of expectation, but it was very, you know, the thing I always enjoyed about like the Avengers movies and stuff was even if the movies were crap, I at least enjoyed the atmosphere. I don't yep. always want to be in a crowded theater, but those are parties. You know, this is this is a gathering, um, you know, a cultural event, as it were. And that's, you know, that's what I knew the Batman was going to be. Um, but I was worried about the actual content of the movie. I was a little worried about, I talked about this on Jeff Sloboda's show, uh, the MCU's Bleeding Edge. He had me on to preview the Batman. And I said, I'm a little worried about Penguin. I am worried they're going to make him too jokey or he's going to be foppish. And, you know, there's going to be a, a severe lack of menace there. And Colin Farrell played it pretty straight. I mean, he's a little, little 1920s gangsterish. You know, that but, worked, though. but it uh, it did work. And, you know, he, he made a choice. Matt, you know, Matt Reeves directed him that way. He acted that way. And I think it did work. But it was definitely he was definitely taking a chance. And I was afraid yeah. it was going to get overboard. Um, so much of, of modern movies today want to give all the agency to the women and none to the men. And so I was a little afraid that Zoe Kravitz was going to be treated like Wonder Woman. Nope. She gets her ass kicked. <laughs> she makes bad yep. decisions. She pays for those bad decisions. She's, I think she captured the essence of Catwoman yep. in the sense of she is, I think, a decent person at heart who makes, who is compelled to make some not great decisions and then, you know, because of her own justifications. And I think that was well captured with Zoe Kravitz's performance. Yep. Plus her and Robert Pattinson, uh, yep. they smoking on screen, boy. Yeah. Uh, and she had a presence about her. Like, yes. when, whenever she was walking through that club, she was going mm -hmm. in there to kick some ass. She yeah. might not kick everyone's ass, but she was going to kick some ass of some yeah, kind. She's 90 pounds. She's not kicking anyone's ass. But yeah. <laughs> but, they worked her fight choreography well mm -hmm. for that one. But, I mean, yes. her presence and her her presence on screen worked for that character in a lot of ways. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. Um, I'm waiting for Robert to come back because I'm, I'm good with, with what we're saying yeah. at this point. I don't know how many more times I say... I, I, I get why people don't like this. I think this is, for me, this feels like the Suicide Squad argument all over again. And know, I haven't actually where, seen that yet. <laughs> well, um, I'm going to say this, and then Robert's going to jump into the plot here. Thank you, for Robert, for letting us have our moment. Thank you, Robert, for letting us have our moment. I heard you. <laughs> Are you okay? okay? Why would I not be? Anyway, um, it, to me, this felt like the Suicide Squad argument all over again, where you just have people who, however they're, however they're wired, whatever it is that, that's going on in their world, liked the gritty, gangsterish pseudo-realism of 2016 and did not prefer the over-the-top comic booky style of James Gunn's Suicide Squad. And then there's people who, uh, who, who have functioning brain cells and know art when they see it. No, um, then <laughs> there are people who... Uh, preferred the lighthearted comic booky approach of Suicide Squad and got a kick out of Starro, um, and did not like what you know the Snyderverse interpretation of DC that was Suicide Squad. And I feel like this this largely comes down to personal preference. I think the movie in and of itself though is solid, but I guess that's what we're going to discuss next. So Robert, you're on. Give me. Can I jump in for one thing real quick? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things I think of when when we start to get into any of these conversations about mm -hmm. you know grim dark versus MCU bright and colorful and stuff like that, 
my theory is that you don't need to be serious to take things seriously. Yeah. And I think that's something James Gunn excels at. Agreed. All right, Robert, give me five to 10 minutes of hot, red hot plot synopsis. I can go faster than that if you like. (laughs) So we start this particular movie two years into the Batman being a presence in Gotham. The Riddler shows up, he murders the mayor. Batman shows up, and because he's basically a glorified member of the GCPD at this point, everyone's happy to see him, more or less. He does his detective thing. He and Jim Gordon give line readings roughly akin to Reffin's style of Too Old to Die Young. I had flashbacks in the theater listening to those two talk. (laughs) Oh, wait till we get to the bit with the penguin. Let's not. (laughs) Batman starts investigating because that's what he does. Uh, he, before he can get too deep into the case, the Riddler also murders the uh, police commissioner and starts indicating that he has information about some vast grand conspiracy that will undo the city. Yes, yes, I'm sure your information will remove, you know, decades of architecture and infrastructure and all you bunch of fucking idiots. Oof. Why are you so mad? Uh, I have... Uh, I'll get to it later. Okay, but can we come back to that? Can you can you share with the group? What? Why I think this movie is badly written? Why it's pissing you off so much? I don't know. I hate okay. being the. I perpetuate. Uh, All right, come. We're, oh, that, nope. I know where you're going. We're going to come back to it. Finish right. the plot. So he starts investigating. He just he gets a bit of information about some shady stuff the mayor was doing. This leads him to a. Escort, call girl, arm candy, person who operates out of the Penguins nightclub, who is hooking up with Zoe Kravitz, so he gets to meet Catwoman. They meet, they fight, slash flirt. They start looking for her. They eventually find her body after a bit. Uh, The long and the short of this, and this movie is bigger on the longer side of things, is... A bunch of people, some within the Gotham Police Department, some within the Gotham uh, institutions, the mayor, the police, the DA, the police commissioner, et cetera, et cetera, are essentially working with slash for the criminal underworld in the wake of getting rid of notorious gangster Salvatore Moroni, uh, now ascending to the throne as kingpin of the city. Although we're supposed to believe we're supposed to believe all of these intelligent people are too stupid to realize that hey, the one big gangster left isn't running everything. Uh, Carmine Falcone is now running everything. Batman and Jim Gordon uh, become basically the only two that each other can trust. There's twists, there's turns. They eventually catch the Riddler, but he set up a plan to get a bunch of other disgruntled people to try and off the new mayor-elect in our big finale after he blows up a seawall to flood the city. And, of course... The, this, the flooding goes off, but our brand new mayor of hope and change is saved. Batman, for the umpteenth time... I hate this movie's finale. I'll straight up say it. I hate it. Okay. We hear you. Because for the ump, I'm supposed to believe that there's what? Tension in the umpteenth time Batman walks through a hail of gunfire like he's Superman? Piss off! Okay. We can come back to that. Uh, he, so Batman disarms our bunch of Riddler wannabes who are shooting up a bunch of people, but have aimed roughly akin to stormtroopers, if not less. <laughs> uh, he decides that his presence in this, 
that you guys talked a little bit about Batman's arc. The arc, to the extent that he has one, is that he is not sure what he's doing is having the impact he wants it to have. Mm-hmm. Which we and said. I'm, and I'm sure there's a bunch of idiots who consider this deconstructionism. Never mind the fact that Batman's presence being escalation rather than containment has been well-worn territory for decades at this point. Stupid hack critics. Who I'll be getting to shortly, I'm sure. Uh, but Batman decides to continue his quest despite bits of revelation about who his parents were. The uh, Riddler winds up in Arkham where he's next to the Joker because of course he is. Because we just have to have another Joker appearance. This movie has nearly as many false endings as Return of the King, by the way. <laughs> Somebody else made that same reference. Uh, it's true. But Batman ultimately decides to stay in the city and feels that his presence, even though he's not doing what he immediately thought he was in terms of, if I'm here and I'm scary, people will stop doing crime. Sure. But that he can still be a force for good ultimately in the world through trying to save people, and he will at least get a competent haircut by the time the sequel rolls around. I don't know. Uh, Robert... Okay, Robert, can we let me let's just get this out now. And maybe this is a, right. a good point for discussion because, you know, look, I don't think the movie's perfect. I said I loved it. I I, unadulter I have unadulterated love for this movie. Um, I was weeping and vibrating when it was over. Clearly, it touched me. Um, and I'm sure you'll be in therapy movies, for years for it. In a way, few movies do. However, that doesn't mean it is without its uh, critical. Um, it, it is without worthy of criticism and things that don't work. But I am now curious and I want to get Andrew to talk and I want to have a nice, even fun discussion, but you seem really bothered by this. So can you tell me what about this movie is pinging you the way that it does to where you weren't this aggravated by far worse movies? I mean, we talked Moonfall and we had a good, fun, jostly discussion about it. And here you look like you're ready to be Batman punching the one guy with the face paint at the beginning of this movie. What, what yeah, hurt you, but... son? Yeah, but I'd actually put in the effort in the gym to look like I could hurt someone if I punched them. Pattinson, you lazy fuck. Why are you so mad, Robert? Talk to me. <sighs> this is not this about is... this movie. Hey, this is not about the Batman. Like, I don't right. like the movie, so what? Right. But I am. I don't like always being the rain on everyone's parade, you know? Okay. And here I am again. And here's billions of people sucking themselves off over this and here's me going i mean i'm glad you came <laughs> but here's all the problems here's all the medication right. you're going to need for the stds from your <laughs> i'm glad you had a good one night stand but boy you're gonna pay for that okay and uh... it makes you feel any better among the movies i love are stargate john carter and jupiter ascending so I'm also minority. You have to go order. now, sir. No. That, well, <laughs> sorry, Jupiter, I'm drawing the line of Jupiter ascending. It's been nice having you here. Say, you're, one for, you're, you're one out of four on the huh. I've been disinvited from the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Including when I started. So Robert, I, I get it. I, it uh, I this this seems like half 
your frustration with why can't why can't we have anything nice and half why do i always have to be the outlier but yeah. i'm going to tell you <laughs> look i and i get it and i sympathize and i want to give you a hug but to that last I, I can't control the first one to that last one you're not the only one who didn't like this movie there are plenty of people i mean like we're not there yet we won't be there for a little while now but i'll just give it away yes it's fresh but it's fresh at like 89 86 which means and that's the audience score i'm talking about who gives a shit about the critics um, the audience, for the purposes of this discussion, the audience score is like mid to high 80s, which means that at least a certain degree of people didn't like this movie. And I'll tell you, the feedback just anecdotally that I, I got from people was, it's too long. This isn't the Batman I wanted. Oh. Robert Pattinson's too small. Yada, yada. You know, it's, Some of the... The only one of those that's a real valid complaint is the, the runtime. Like, I, I'll give Pattinson grief, and I'm going mm. to. But the only time that was really an issue was when he breaks in, when um, Catwoman is going to kill Carmine Falcone, because in this iteration, she's his daughter. Right. But when he, should... when, because when he breaks in, mm -hmm. he has to fist fight a couple of guys as himself. Yeah. And that doesn't work. Like when he's in the suit, he's in the suit. It's fine. The suit adds weight. The suit adds heft mm -hmm. to everything that's going on. Any idiot can be in the suit and be Batman. Good on you. That stuff works. I mean, I... I take serious conceptual issue with the amount of gunfire he just walks through. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Because no, <laughs> like you don't get to nonchalantly stroll up to a machine gun that's emptying into your chest. Like, yeah, you just look, don't look, I get that. I think the point that I want to say that just, we can move this on and stay focused more on the craft is if your issue feels like, why am I the only one that sees the emperor has no clothes? Rest assured, son, you're not. There are plenty of people who also think, th you know, think this movie was crap. And so, okay. But I think more importantly, now that you've gotten that off your chest, and I'm trying to reassure you, you're not alone in the world. But yeah, sure. let's... You're not. <laughs> um, let's talk about what is actually wrong with this movie uh, versus, you know, we're going to move away from unadulterated hate versus unadulterated love and just talk about what what is this movie. Uh, let me go over to you first, Andrew, as so we can move this along. What is probably the thing that worked the least for you in this movie? What is the one thing that sort of, you know, if you, when, after you've taken a deep breath and a smoke, you're like, hmm, thinking back on this, this was dumb or this didn't work or whatever the case may be. There's a couple of things that didn't, didn't jive all the way for me. I think the one okay. thing I'm going to agree with Robert on that, that didn't work all the way for me was, was kind of the bat tank scenes. Because <laughs> this is the. This is the worst iteration of the Batmobile ever put to screen. Uh, okay, that one I'm not going to get into. I actually love that Batmobile. I'm, I have a preference for muscle cars. It's an entirely different thing. Hang on, hang on. I want to I wanna define that. When you say this is the worst Batmobile, are you saying you don't like the Mustang, like souped-up Mustang Camaro. look? Or, okay, yep. Camaro, Mustang, Ferrari. Uh, you don't like that, or you don't like what this thing could do in the movie versus what it looked like? Because those are two different things. It's more the latter. Like, I, I don't okay. care yeah. about the aesthetic. The aesthetic is whatever. Okay. But yeah, and that's you, you're telling me that... You're telling me that this car that he's been working on himself mm -hmm. in his garage without consultation or... Uh, like, he, we see him working on it. Like, this is him doing it. Mm -hmm. Is not... You took a car and you made it do things that cars don't do. And I'm supposed to... Look, I'll suspend a lot of my disbelief here. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying I thought it should have like exploded the first time he tried to start it up. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> I mean, it would have been a would have been a stronger way to end the film, in my opinion. But end to act one. I mean, it's it's more like if you compare this with every other iteration of the Batmobile ever put to screen, you have some that are significantly more stylized and some that are frankly less feasible when you mm-hmm. look at how they're supposed to actually work. But they all at least have something to them. You know, this looks like Dom Toretto's, something he picked out of Dominic Toretto's grot, like backyard. Okay. Like, oh, I, I I bumped into, the, I hopped over to the Fast and the Furious franchise for 10 minutes and I found this. All right. We got a clear this impression. The Batmobile. Of, we got a clear impression of what your issue with the Batmobile was. Back and, to and sorry, I wasn't actually talking about the Batmobile. I was talking about mm-hmm. like the scene you said where Batman just wa- basically walks into gunfire. And oh, I think- yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to get into the the Robert Pattinson muscle definition here. Damn. We're not the Vince McMahon of the world. We're not casting Triple H's Batman. Uh, I mean, I think if you're going to go for a more lift Batman, then you focus on somebody whose speed, whose attack, whose things like that. That same logic should should extend to the Batmobile as well. If you're making a lighter version, and, mm-hmm. and frankly, that tr- car chase scene, I enjoyed it. I marked out when the Batmobile showed up. It, it wasn't. There were shots I liked about it. They didn't kind of establish the overall geography and context for it there's stuff it was a that. it was a very much like a roller coaster point yeah, of view yeah. and and that i don't he froze um yeah, as, i'm still as here hang on i'm trying it's, to this thing okay. is not functioning all that well tonight it's one of the things i really really liked about that entire car chase sequence uh was the way that it was shot not so much the car chase itself but I like the fact that they kept the camera level with the cars. Yep. So you got a very claustrophobic, very much, like I said, like a roller coaster train track feel yep. to what was going on. It felt, it added to the tension, um, the way the camera was positioned so that you never want, you know, like I was comparing it to, I was talking to my son about this and I was comparing it to the ghost chase in um, the Matrix Reloaded. And I was like, what yeah. do you think was better? that car chase of this one he was like that one and he in, in his eight-year-old way he told me why and i said okay i actually prefer this one not because i think it's a more like extensive or a more challenging shoot but more i like the the, the gritty claustrophobia of it all okay and i think i think what you needed there was a couple of i think going back to even the tumbler chase in the in batman mm-hmm. and you needed a couple of like police helicopter shots to kind of establish where they were going and how much traffic they were dealing with. See, I disagree. I didn't want that. I I wanted, if a car chase could be intimate, this one was, and that's what I wanted because I think that's what we get all the time. I think in every movie ever made in the history of Earth, you get wide, expansive, geographical shots and you know and you and, and it's about creating the biggest, most elaborate stunt show. Whereas this one, and I'm, the car chase is a very good example of what I liked about the entire movie, the intimacy of it, the smallness of it. So much of what we watch is expansive to the point where I think it gets unwieldy after a while, where this was very, very laser focused. Okay. No, that um, makes sense. I, I want to throw out two other quick points, just as kind sure. of my, my list of negatives, and then we can kind of expand upon those. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Riddler. I think later on in the movie, Paul Dano really works, especially once we see him talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I heard this movie compared to before I watched it was actually one of my favorite movies, uh, David Fincher's Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Seven. And, That's the two I've seen. Yeah, I, I don't have a big love of Seven, but Zodiac's one of my all-time favorites. Mm-hmm. And I didn't... I thought the beginning was interesting. I don't think the sense of dread around Riddler showing up was as high as it should have been. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how you fix that, but it just didn't it didn't jive for me as much. The other thing, and I think this is going to be probably a bigger discussion point, is talking about the length and, and some of the structure of the movie where, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I think everything was, it did have room to breathe. It just, it did feel long in parts. I think mm-hmm. one of the things that contributes to that is that you retread a lot of the ground physically in term of, terms of location. I think they were at the club three times. They were at that office tower with the that mm-hmm. four times. Yeah, three or four times. Same thing with the office tower with the bat signal on it. So there was a lot of kind of retreading some ground from a from like a visual point of view. So mm-hmm. I think literally in the back of my mind at one point, it's like, oh, great, we're back at the office tower again. Okay. And that to me just didn't didn't work as well. It didn't feel like the movie was progressing from kind of a visual point of view. All right, Robert, I'm going to give up my opportunity to speak because I kind of just want to, I think we're best right now in terms of uh, conversational structure if I kind of respond to you two. Um, so go ahead and talk about the thing that you like least about this movie that really like from a, just strictly from a craft point of view, what, what was your, when you walked out of it was like, why, why are we doing this? Uh, there's a few things that I think all contribute to the same problem. Okay. We talked about the runtime and I don't put it like this. I was okay with this movie being long. I think you're correct, especially with the style of story they're telling here. It does need space, space. It does need time. Things do need to develop. You do need to follow twists and turns in the narrative. That's, that's all important to this. So if this movie had clocked in at two hours and 35 minutes, I wouldn't have complained. Okay. But there's about 20 to 30 minutes of this thing's runtime that desperately needs to be shed. You brought up the refin. There's way. so much of the interaction between of Bat- dialogue between, <laughs> between Batman and Gordon in particular. I'm just wondering how much of the 25 minutes you would have cut was because of the refin-esque dialogue readings. You could get a lot. Okay. You could get a good chunk of the way there. And There's... it really bothered you that much, huh? I had flashbacks. Okay. Like, I didn't expect that. I, I knew it was okay. going to be a long movie. I, I wasn't sure I was going to like whether I was going to like it or not. Mm-hmm. But I mean, okay, it's a three-hour movie. And then the first time he and Gordon and Batman start talking, I just, I see Miles Teller. And I panic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's because it flashes you back to Miles Teller. And that's just traumatic for you, man. I, uh, it is. Robert, it really Robert is. has this list of actors that are triggering for him. That's just the way it is. If I if I ever got, I used to have a list of celebrities that I figured if I ever got the chance I would punch in the face and just take the take the arrest rap. Okay, I'm gonna speak on behalf of the federal government. You have to get rid of that list. No, <laughs> it's gone. It, look, it, it it was it was a long time ago, mm. and like it included Carrot Top. That's how long ago <laughs> I had that list. It's a lot dated. <laughs> All right, said, go on. long time ago. So you don't feel like the movie earns its its complete three hour runtime? Thirty minutes could have been shaved. It really could have. Uh, okay. So there's that. There's a. This drove me up the wall. The number of times someone on screen will see something and then immediately recite what just happened. Okay. You don't think it, that was a style choice, or it is, or it's you're a acknowledging stupid style choice? Well, you're it acknowledging a it's a style choice. choice, but it doesn't. Well, again, let let's examine that. For Riddler. A so so hang on. So so but for the record, here's mm-hmm. like here's an example. Riddler releases the video of um, of what happens to uh, pick somebody, uh, the, the commissioner. Yeah. And we see the first bit of the scene, and then Gordon, who is present, goes, he's got the commissioner. 
Like, we didn't just see this after the news crew set it up by saying, here's disturbing footage from the Riddler of what he did to the police commissioner. Knowing you the way that I do, that feels like something that pings you personally. It's just stupid. I'm watching your movie. We're all watching your movie, <laughs> right. right? We all just saw it. Presumably, we're all paying attention. I don't need someone in the movie to then say what just happened in the movie for the sake of the audience. Okay. There's See, no I, other reason for him to do that. So you're 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 arguing that th this movie's dumbed down for a mass audience. I don't know if it's dumbed down or if it was just I, I don't know. Like okay. I, I genuinely can't process what sort of creative thought went into, huh? Maybe Gordon can just be our for the hearing impaired or for the visually impaired. I don't know. Again, I feel there may be an there may be an element of we don't want to show too much because we don't think the audience is going to get it. We have to kind of take them by the hand with you know with a certain degree elements of dialogue. But I think it was also a very stylistic choice. This was supposed this was supposed to the other movie that I kept comparing it to, not content wise, but style was Chinatown. And so I'm I, you know I get I get the Irishman, I get Casino, I get. Chinatown from this movie like somebody watched those three and was like Batman I want to do those but Batman and in that you do have stylized dialogue readings and a recitations sometimes of the obvious in, in which case it just jars tonally with the rest of it with the rest of what they're trying to do okay like you have Batman do the opening narration and then the closing narration but everything in between is shockingly not all that stylish Mm -hmm. by, by which I, I don't mean there's no style to it. I mean it's not you know stylized for right. the most part. So to then have a a bunch of characters that operate basically as the Greek chorus, <laughs> it, it it drove me up the wall. Like you want to okay. get hammered, sneak booze into the theater, take a shot every time someone looks at something and then describes it. So there's a there's a inconsistency in the I, I guess the style of the movie where sometimes sometimes yeah. it's stylized and sometimes it's straightforward and that's jarring especially when they choose to do it okay. is it like penguin being a stylized character is whatever okay hey andrew if you want to jump in feel free just yeah you know. I'm, just, I'm just thinking of what robert's saying here and i think i'm actually kind of racking my brain just to kind of go to those moments um I mean, I'll say for one thing, I did enjoy, and maybe it was used inconsistently, but I did enjoy kind of the, um, you know, the monologuing and things like that over the mm -hmm. over the movie. I think, you know, when you think back to going and, you know, reading a comic book, ninety, particularly Batman comic books, you go through those and about half to three quarters of the dialogue is kind of in his head in a lot of ways. Yeah, so it's inner monologue. It's inner monologue and stuff like that. So I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. I, I thought the ones they did write were effective mm -hmm. um i do know among one of I the don't... critics i did review they they kind of and we made the joke it was the rorschach style monologue mm -hmm. and i think they were actually yeah. taking that more as a a criticism for it being a little it's stealing that gimmick from watchmen uh, which is ridiculous because every old like noir story had the Looking detectives sunset in boulevard yeah. starts with a dead guy narrating his death Let's let's not focus on that. Yeah, I, I, again, I didn't I, I didn't object to the to the monologues from Batman uh, because mm -hmm. I, I hot take potentially. I actually don't hate the version of Blade Runner that has Harrison Ford's narration. Okay, like that that is a style doesn't bother me. It, I just 
I don't understand why a character feel, would feel compelled to recite what he just saw to a bunch of people who just saw it. Like you, you, you are taking me out of the film by making me think that this character is doing this for me mm-hmm. as an audience member, not to benefit anything within the, you are shattering your verisimilitude. Okay. And the only that, thing I'll say to that one is that I know I narrate stuff that's on the screen all the time, much the, the annoyance of my immensely patient wife. <laughs> Well, you should probably stop. <laughs> no, as husbands, it is our soul. It is our solemn duty to annoy our wives. It's what came in the marriage vows to 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 honor, obey, and annoy. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and I apologize directly after because I'm Canadian. Yeah, well, that's not an American thing. You know, honor, obey, and annoy, and then fuck off, um, <laughs> as you do uh, in America. The what was the other thing? Um, Yeah, again, between trimming up the dialogue and some of the line reading choices and getting characters to stop reciting what just happened for the benefits of those who, you know, don't see all that well, I suppose. Yep. You could shave a fair bit. Uh, One thing I'll... I don't... Go ahead, go ahead. So I was going to actually contribute to their point. One thing I did find, there were probably a few shots that you probably could have cut by five seconds. Where it's yeah, like, okay, the shot's established, it went a little too long. And again, I think that's, that's you're getting to the trade-off and the edit in terms of, are you letting it breathe versus, is this too long? But I, I see your point in that case. Next thing, Robert. Here's one of my big problems with this. And I think this, this might be why I never really got into this movie. I don't like this version of Bruce Wayne. And okay. there's so much. I have to ask. Okay. Is this because you have an inherent prejudice against Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, or you don't like mopey, angsty, I'm uncomfortable with my riches, Bruce Wayne, or both? A little of both, but I think it, it's more the latter. Like, I don't care where you draw inspiration from. I really don't. Okay. Like, you want to draw inspiration from, hey, what if Kurt Cobain was Batman? Well, he'd have killed himself five years earlier, or been killed by his wife. Look. He killed himself. Deal with it. Please let me. You. Please let me make my joke, sassy pants, and move on. I, I can't really get behind a mopey character. Okay. When there's nothing. When there's nothing else, like he, he I, mopes. Okay, and, hang on. Well, hang, hang on, hang on. When no, wait, no, 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 no. You're, you're like, that is a that is a foundation of this character that he feels hopeless. That he's been, you know, that he had an ideal. He executed said ideal, and two years later, he feels like he's made absolutely no headway. He mopes for a reason. Okay, and that's that's fine. Like I get that there's a reason for him to mope. Uh huh. But I need more than just your moping. Like I'm okay with you being depressed about the state of your life. I really okay. am. But there has to be something else other than. Well, here I am in bad eyeliner. <laughs> or literally telling my butler you're not my dad. That was I'm not gonna lie, that one was a little bitchy. <laughs> that was a little bitchy dog. <laughs> I heard that and I was like, ugh. <laughs> I, I didn't I, have a lot of moments of like ugh when I when I heard part or saw things in this movie. I really didn't. I clearly I thoroughly enjoyed it. But there were definitely times where when he's like, you're not my dad. I was like, and this is the next line I saw it from I learned it from watching you, dad. Like he's supposed to be a 30 year old man. 
and he is being a petulant child in a movie <laughs> where we're not going to explore his petulance in any way. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to push back on one of those points. Okay. I actually kind of, the line itself is here or there. I do think mm-hmm. it, it sets up the establishment of the relationship with Alfred in a different way. You're not wrong, but it's not handled well. That line yeah. sucks, and its delivery is petulant in a character where, again, you're A, you're not going to examine his petulance. B, you're, I don't know if they really knew they were characterizing him that way. I to think they fair, just wanted to have him stab at Alfred, and it was like, boy, there's a million and one ways you could have done that without making him sound like a seven-year-old. There is, but I mean, I think even if you go back to the, the first 40 minutes of Batman Begins, there's a lot of petulant mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne in that movie. Yes. And I think and part they, of what they were able they to explore that better though. Well, I think also what they're doing is that they're compressing some of that mm-hmm. some of that same ground into this movie. But any case, so what I was gonna say was that yeah. I think this is interesting. They didn't I don't know if they used Alfred in the best way, but I think they set up the character in an interesting way where traditionally we've seen Alfred as like the the all in, you know, kind of fatherly figure to Batman and to Bruce Wayne and everything like mm-hmm. that. And in this one, you kind of get the sense that Alfred, and I think this was a choice, that this is a character who never expected to do this and maybe feels he's not quite equipped to do it. And he's, I think Jeremy he Irons no comes subject. across. I think Jeremy Irons did the did it that way too, where he felt like he had been drafted into a service he he, he you know he didn't want to be in, but you know felt obligated to because he was the you know the man's butler father figure and you know the last you know part of the Wayne family. Um, the, go the ahead, difference Robert. There, I think the primary difference there is Jeremy Irons actually comes across as caring about Ben Affleck. Okay, he's probably I, the best thing about that version of Batman. I don't disagree. So let me just say, just just so you know, if we're keeping score, what did, what didn't I like? I didn't like Alfred in this movie. I didn't like that relationship. I didn't I, care about it. Let me tell you something. I had to go to the bathroom at one point, and I was trying to pick my spot when Bruce goes to see Alfred after he got blowed up in the hospital that's when i left because i didn't the movie doesn't give me a compelling reason to care about their relationship so that was a great time for me to take a poop i really Uh, like that scene okay but hang on you're talking you're potentially talking about two different scenes like i think he's talking about the hospital right there's two there's two scenes there there's one where bruce comes to the realization like right after it happens when bruce goes no there's no one else to call i'm all he has and then there's where he goes no your father was a good man etc etc it's the first one that I, I walked out during. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. Because mm-hmm. the second one works a little bit better. The first one is, yeah, it's, it's pointless time filler. Mm-hmm. So, and, and this is a little bit of the problem with this characterization of Bruce. He doesn't care about anyone. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, if he doesn't care about anyone, then I certainly don't care about how their death will affect him. Make, that's so valid. there's, so there's a giant emotional disconnect between 90% of the tension and threats that are going on here. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, Alfred got blown up. Well, all he's done is be bitchy to Alfred anyway. What do I care? Yeah. I think it's part of why I was like, I don't care about this scene. Like, you treated Alfred, you treated him like shit. You guys feel like, you guys feel like a marriage at the end, but right before the divorce. And so, like, and, and so when he's in there in the hospital tr- trying to show the compassion, I'm like, no, I'm not. You did this way too late in the movie and not enough of it for me to care. Yeah. So I, the nah. entire relationship between Bruce and Alfred here doesn't work for me no. at all. 
Agreed. And I think that's and I think it's a big problem because Alfred is supposed to help us understand the man. He's supposed right? to ground. He's supposed to ground Bruce. Yeah, and when you when you don't and have a, that and be a sounding board, that was utterly absent in this movie. Yeah, and when you don't, I don't disagree have with that, that point. Okay, okay, go ahead. At least regarding being a sounding board, because they definitely show. I think you're right. I think there's an element of the the emotional relationship isn't there. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely an element of the functional relationship is though, where, you know, you go up at one point and there's Alfred working on the cipher. No, no. And, and I, I, that's not what I said though. I, I think he's doing stuff for Bruce. Right. As he's always has and always will. And so he finds useful, you know, to be useful is to do these things. And so he works out the code and stuff like that. Right. That's all well and good. When I say sounding board, I mean, there are, just to compare to The Dark Knight, there are times where, where Bale and um, Michael Caine are like an active debate, and there's a give and take and a relationship there. There's an exchange of ideas, and there are times when, you know, you know when he's talking about the Joker, where Michael Caine will say things like, some men just want, you know, you're looking for reason in, in an unreasonable situation where some men just want to see the world burn, and that there's, an, there's an air of wisdom. None of that is in this movie. Go ahead, Robert. We keep stuck. We keep rolling. Over. Hang on. We keep oh, rolling. Over no, no. Go, go ahead. I was gonna say. I mean, like I, said, I, I was fine with the relationship. It didn't. It wasn't mm-hmm. a big trip for me. But mm-hmm. I think there either needed to be more of Alfred to to put to establish that relationship in the movie, or there had to mm-hmm. be less of him, so it wasn't a concern. Yeah, there wasn't quite the right balance. I'll put it to you that way. Okay. And I think a lot of that kind of emotional, kind of philosophical lifting happened between him and Catwoman instead where I think a lot of those yeah. conversations in terms of who's your who's your moral compass goes to goes to you, Alfred you know me I like to talk about Lord of the Rings and you know taking lines from Tom Bombadil and giving them to the ends and stuff like that they gave yeah. a lot of Alfred to Catwoman yeah on that note I don't if I've got one take on this movie that I think is probably wrong but I'm going to stand by it at the moment for the sake of saying it <laughs> Okay. I, I again, I, I acknowledge I might be mis I might be forgetting this, or I might feel differently about it in the future. So, mm-hmm. well, caveat. Lay it on me, big daddy. It would not be hard to write Catwoman out of this movie. You're an insane person, and you need to yeah. go. Go find Andrew in the Jupiter Ascending corner. That's, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> that's I, insanity. I, go ahead. I absolutely mean that. I know you. I know you she, mean. It. I'm not saying it wouldn't take a bit of reworking. I, uh-huh. I, I have said in the past, like you can cut someone wholesale and lose nothing. I don't think that's the case here. Okay, I'm, go ahead. I am saying you take another pass at this in the writing room. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you turn this script in and some sane studio executive goes, okay, we're 90% on board here, but you got to lose 20 minutes. And you decide as a writer... You know, Catwoman's not really all that essential to this. Let me rework this. You could cut her out. And you wouldn't lose all that much from the plot line. Okay, I uh, look, there are things you say and at least I see your point of view and you know, I can be co- I can be coaxed into going along with it, uh losing some of the things that I think are important. On this one I'm 110% in disagreement. I I think Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman, who I think she also did a phenomenal job with the character. Mm. That 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 may be personal preference. Uh, again, um, look, I'm not going to say bad. I'm going to shrug my shoulders and go, sure, she was adequate. 
I don't think like, did she knock it out of the park for me? No, not okay. not even close. But that, did she, did she hit the ball and put it in play? Hundred percent. I think what Cat Catwoman represents in this movie is a choice, and and in, they physically will make this choice at the end, at the very end of the movie. Catwoman is temptation. Catwoman yep. is a darker version of Batman. I know that might sound like craziness, you know, like how do you, you know, how is Catwoman dark Batman? But hear me out on this. Catwoman has a certain degree of, um, you know, like in D and D, align. She yeah. she is more of a, like a neutral good. alignment to her. She's not good. She's chaotic. Now I was gonna say I was gonna say like a chaotic neutral or yeah. you know something along those lines. Um, in any case, she is the path that Batman will go down if he does not stay true. That is what she represents to him. She that's what the swimming mean by she represents dark Batman. Um, there are, uh. That's the word I was looking for. There, there are um, almost like a sociopathic. That's not the right word. Uh, where the choices that she makes are not necessarily rooted in good or bad, but in the service of her needs. That's the kind of character she is, and it's where you Batman just, could. You can just say selfish. All right, I lose <laughs> words this late at night. She's huh? a selfish character. Yeah, she is self-centered, selfish character, and. Um, and I think that, you know, there's a temptation for Batman to go in that direction. He is powerful. He is rich. He, you know, he does not want, I did. I really, I know some people pointed to this. Some people we know personally, like there were woke elements in this movie. And they'll say, this is a dialogue exchange where she is like, I can tell you're a rich boy because you come across as loved it. Um, let me, let me rephrase that line. I could live with. Mm hmm. The line nearer the end when she goes, "No one, the only ones they care about are these rich, privileged white guys." Was like, okay, well, no, that was me that was message that 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 was Keenan Ivory Wayans walking with the mailbag. I'm going to disagree on that one just for a minute here, and, I, and I'm not going to say it's message or it's not message or anything like that, but I'm going to say it's it's maybe on some level authentic, where if you put somebody from that experience it and that life experience in that city, yeah, she's going to say that. It's it's not only authentic in the you know in the that's the way someone would say that it's also authentic in that is a real issue you know that that is an issue nah. that is resonant in in culture. There was just a better Look, way to do it. That, Paul, there was hang on, there was, hang on, hang on. There, there was less pan over the head way of doing it than than the way that they did it. Yeah. Yeah, you want to know how you want to know a better way to do it? Real sure. easy. Paul Dano did it better when he said the only the only orphan they cared about was Bruce Wayne because he was already rich. Fair enough. Anyway, that that's a much better way to make that point. So I don't think if you cut to, to wrap up this point, we can move on to something else. I don't think you lose Catwoman because then you don't have that representation of temptation, you know, of Batman um, utterly oh, moving you, his his, no. um, his his philosophical core and just becoming, you know, you think about like Ben Affleck's Batman, you know, where he's represent he's representing a Batman that has lost hope. And that the whole arc of BVS is Batman finding that hope again. We're at a point here where before he can even lose it, he's still trying to hang on to it and decide, well, what kind of Batman am I going to be? Yep. And so go to the end of the movie, the very end of the movie where she goes left and he goes right. That is a physical representation of the choice he is making. That is what that whole last conversation about is, you know, you can't come with me. You're already spoken for because your one true love is Gotham. And if you take Catwoman out of that, there's no one else to give that to for them to have him to have well, that relationship and have to make that choice. Well, and again, Mark, a hang on. 
a better written movie would do it in the following way. You've already got mopey Batman. <laughs> I mean, for good reason, potentially. Like, mm-hmm. I've been doing this for two years, and we got a big drug bust, but hey, guess what? It's not really fixed all that much. Right. And I'm starting to realize, you know, just kind of the depths of corruption that are going on here. Mm-hmm. You don't need an externality for Batman to be tempted to go down the dark path here. You let him, you let it be internal. You let Alfred be the guy still trying to save him, mm-hmm. trying to remind him of your moral compass, trying to remind him of who you're supposed to be. Okay. And, uh, and the whole way through, he's looking at what he's doing and going, you know what? Maybe these would be bet. Maybe things would be better if I just pulled out the Glock. You're not wrong, but if I can be studio executive guy for a moment. Oh, I, I get why studios, we need a woman. <laughs> yes. And the woman has to do something and be it, something. She's mostly a damsel in distress for the giant chunk of this film. And it's a disservice to the character and the way they start. That I agree oh. with. That, uh, well, I, I agree with making Catwoman a damsel in distress is a disservice to the character. The length and breadth of which they do that, I think, is up for debate. And I think Andrew more okay, a- okay. more than they should have. Let me just let me leave it at that. Andrew, Andrew, you feel like you, you you've got words about that. So go ahead. Uh, I'll hit two points. I think I'm in agreement with Mark. I don't think there's as much damsel in distress on that. I saw Samer make the same comment on Twitter. I, I didn't I didn't jump in on it, but mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw it too. I mean, thinking back to the movie, the one I, I kind of think of is obviously her going to go kill Maroney. Mm-hmm. It was equally about him not, her not killing him. As it was about her, her getting into the situation, really herself into the battle. Can I just right. say related to that scene, I love John Turturro. I really do. That was the worst attempted strangling I've ever seen. Let's. Um, like there, let's, there's a scene right, after he goes to the hand. The ones... There's a scene oh, where they get an over. overhead shot. There's a scene where they go to an overhead shot of him choking her. Mm-hmm. And his thumbs are like here. <laughs> like he's resting his hands on her collar, on her shoulders. He's yeah. not choking her. And I went, come on. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't lie. know if. I've... I don't so I'm know go in who thought that, that was a good idea. <laughs> go ahead, Andrew. I'm going to go to, in defense of that one, and, and I don't know. I wasn't paying that close of attention. Honestly, when I've done choke training with people, there are people who quite literally get triggered on where they put the thumbs, and maybe for the point of comfort for the performers, they had to do that. that that's my only a, comment. Get on. a stunt double or don't use the shot. I don't care. Can we, we talk about a something a little bit more important than, where, than, than the authenticity of a fake choke? And talk about John Turturro's wasted performance in this. That John Turturro is uh, is fantastic and just a wonderful really actor. And he's underused in this movie. And that's yeah, an issue I have. That, like, it was so funny. They talked about, like, oh, we busted Maroney. We busted Maroney. I forgot that there was the other mob character in the Batman universe that John Turturro was playing. Yeah. And then they don't... and. This is a criticism that, hang on, this is the criticism that I have, and so this is up for discussion. When they were like, the Penguin's going to be in this one. Okay, cool. So we get the mob representation. Oh, and Catwoman's going to be in this. Great. Femme Fatale. And the Riddler's going to be this. Great. There's your main villain. I'm cool with all of this. 
and you and you're putting who's he what's he in this someone help me what is john Turturro? falcone falcone i keep wanting you said maroney and i want to just go for maroney and i'm like no no no, no. it's not for maroney it's no, falcone maroney's the one they already busted right the and i kept using them together is my point because i'm old and feeble um but uh falcone you know you're you don't need the penguin if you have falcone and if you have falcone you don't need the penguin and and this idea, this, this like they did with the Gotham TV series, where Penguin's like, you know, mid-level mob boss, you know, working for the bigger mob boss. Like, no, 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 pick one and stick with it. We don't, or to pick a different character to do what the Penguin did. Like, if you want to, I'll tell you what, Robert, you want to cut somebody from this movie and shorten the runtime, cut the Penguin because it's really good. Because as good as I thought he, uh, Colin Farrell, did with this. It was utterly unnecessary for what they had him doing. They could have used any schmuck, low-level mob boss and not given him as much screen time. Um, so, well, well, you know, yeah, or, but the sequel, yeah, then introduce him there. My point is, in the movie, no, that, no, no, you, you need him here. In the in the well, here, my my point is like if you you can't have Penguin and John Turturro in the same movie, one of them gets short shrift. And that's not fair to either guy. They're such phenomenal actors. They take up, they have such screen presence. Their characters are so big in this universe. This is if there's even at three hours, the movie feels at times a little overstuffed. And that's what I mean. Like another pass through editing, and we get rid of one or two of those characters, and you know, we and we move around some lines, and it becomes, I think, a sleeker production. Now go I ahead. Think Falcone is maybe one of those things I would have probably made the choice to cut that instead. I don't okay. know if I would have necessarily done a complete rewrite, but I almost would have mm -hmm. taken that whole element around her being Catwoman's or him being Catwoman's father yeah. and, mm -hmm. and, and shelve that for the time being, because if only there was a graphic novel that we could use to inspire an exploration of that, <laughs> that perhaps has been reviewed on this network before. <laughs> I'm just, I just assume this network has reviewed every Batman comic. He's referring point. to Catwoman when in Rome. Yeah. Which where, is great uh, book, by the way. <laughs> Yes, which I wanted to I, I wanted to, to produce that movie and have Chris Hemsworth as the blonde hunky man in that one opposite whoever we get to play Catwoman. Robert, go ahead. Falcone, Penguin, we're talking about that. John Turturro. I think you could make it work uh, the way mm -hmm. it is. It just it takes a defter hand than we have here. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree with you that Turturro's wasted. I think we spend way too much time getting around to him showing up with no real yeah. build to it. Yeah. I think once he's on, once he sh does show up, he's not given the weight that that character's supposed to have. So that at the no. end, when it's like, no, he's the author of all your pain, James. Right. And we were about this far away from that being what the freaking Riddler was saying. The Falcon, the Falcone's character is actually very slight, slighter yeah. than he's ever been in any comic book or even like, you know, the Gotham TV series or any other utilization I, of that I, character. It's weird. They made, they made, they, it's almost like they didn't want him to outshine Penguin, but P Penguin was a lesser character than he was. And so yeah, it, it's, all, it's all very muddled. Yeah. Uh, well, again, there's also you could have made of... this, you could have made this relationship work. Mm -hmm. You absolutely could have. It doesn't here. It absolutely does not work. And it's to the detriment of giant chunks of this film. Can I also say that since we're talking a little bit about the Riddler, boy, was that, hey, it's a rat with wings. Was that a long thread that went nowhere? Okay, we'll come back to it. Andrew, you're trying to jump in on this. Um, yeah, and I think I think you're right. That was definitely something noticeable because I think even going back to, I don't think I have my copy of The Long Halloween here, but 
Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the way they portrayed Falcone before, he is this very like broad-shouldered, very big dude, and and um, John right. Turturro is not that. In terms of the characterization, I wasn't too far off on that one because I think even when you go down the go down the the list of kind of talking about actual mobsters, you get kind of two varieties. You get the true power players, the true bosses, guys like mm-hmm. Falcone, and you also get the guys who have seen too many mafia movies and are, are kind of the penguin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think that I think that wasn't a, an inauthentic one. Um, something from a couple of minutes ago, I wanted to jump in really quick and it feels like we're maybe moving into the Riddler here is Mark, now that you've kind of put it out there in terms of the, the Dungeons and Dragons grid of, of character traits. I think this movie actually for me, and this is, this is positive is I think it was interesting the way they played the temptation of Catwoman versus the temptation of the Riddler Mm -hmm. kind of the, the. No, do whatever you want, be whoever you are, so on and so forth, kind of Catwoman temptation versus the versus you must expose the truth and lies, but to the nth degree. Right. True vengeance. Yeah. Which um, the the use of that as a through line on this movie I thought was brilliant. Mm-hmm. It was one of the this this was Martha done right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh what's next on your list, Robert? Of things I didn't like. I, but, believe it or not, I do have things I did enjoy about this movie. So Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just I want to make okay, sure that you've okay. had your Let say, me, so I'm giving you that opportunity. Okay. Um I didn't like. All right. I'm I'm going to say this, and I you all might disagree with me, but this is not as hot a take as my catwoman one, I think. <laughs> The finale, not the end of the movie when it actually ends, mm-hmm. but your big climax. Uh-uh. Nothing. That was a giant nothing burger. What specifically? You're talking about like the shooting in the rafters, yeah. the flood? Yeah. Okay. Like all of that. Just this movie did not know. Was it how... lacking in spectacle or you just thought it was shot badly? More the former. Okay. There's elements of the shooting that are fine, like, like mm-hmm. composition-wise. But one, Matt Reeves is kind of a one-trick pony with his action. Mm. This is all, all the action in this movie is samey. Like, you see, watch any of it. Nothing really changes from the first scene where he beats up the Joker clowns. Right. Hang on. I, I, I laughed about that because as I was watching him walk through the club trying to do his best imitation of a hallway fight scene, I was Badly. like... Well, that's the thing. I'm like, I'm watching this and I'm like, well, that'll be the first thing Robert complains about. And, and maybe even Andrew too, is they're going to see this like, hey, 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 if you're going to do the hallway fight scene, do it right. Do it better than this. This is this. This is someone doing a bad impression of a thing everyone else seems to like. I'm not going to lie. Bit. One of my worries was that this movie was going to try and be more dare, Daredevil than it was. Yeah. I, I to the again, to the positive side of things, I agree with you guys that watching Batman actually be a detective was a really nice change of pace. Mm-hmm. But, all again, like, you have the... The reason everyone remembers the car chase out of this movie, I think, is it's the one action scene that's different. Yeah. Like, the rest of them are all essentially cut and paste. Like, there's there's nothing of real substance there. Yeah, Andrew, I want to pitch this to you, even though... Yep. And Robert's going to be like, but why, why not me? Because I want you to answer this question. 
Um, the fight choreography seemed as basic and bland as any fight choreography I've ever seen. Like there was nothing special about this at all. And it was almost somebody who like doesn't really understand the finer points of, of, of combat, <clears throat> but knows people want to see Batman punched up. And it was almost like, and so Batman punches and because Robert Pattinson also is not exactly, you know, <clears throat> George St. Pierre, everyone's just sort of thinking they know what a fight scene should look like and be and doing what they think it is. And it just coming across like bland ham sandwich. I enjoyed the fight scenes in this movie. I mean, I mm -hmm. think, I think, you know, Robert's comment that they were fairly samey, I think is accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, it was kind of this, we're almost seeing an overcorrection now where we went to a point where everything was, you know, shaking the camera, 14 cuts to get Liam Neeson over a fence sort of stuff where <laughs> it just, it, it was too hard to track. Mm -hmm. And I think people have pushed back a little bit and now gone towards where you're doing these from a lot more kind of mid cuts where you can see all the action happening, but you outside still need that little Catwoman, bit of dynamism. But outside of a fight with Catwoman, it doesn't feel like he's executing any kind of martial arts. He seems like he's just all, you know, brute force punching his way through things. Like again, oh, no, like, he's the, doing the, stuff. Uh, yeah, okay. That, but that's why I wanted yeah. to ask you, like, am I, Am I just not? Do I not just have the finest eye for the for, for you know these acute points of fighting that there is being on display here, or is it to me it just looked like it was Matt Reeves just going? We you know I want to get him through this scene, but he has to fight through it. So fight. I'd have to go, I have to go back and rewatch it. I know um, mm -hmm. I never had a chance to read the article. They were speaking to one of the fight choreographers, and I know going back to um, to where this comes from. A lot of this is like Filipino martial arts, so it's stuff that you've seen in the Bourne movies that I know sometimes mm -hmm. gets criticism for the fight choreography. Um, it definitely didn't have that distinct... Sorry? In play, You referenced the Bourne fight choreography. I'm like, in places, yeah, it gets a yeah. little bit silly. Yeah, well, I think the other side is that also... Um, Batman, the, Bat, the Dark Knight series had a very distinctive fight style. They pulled it from what's called yeah. the Casey fighting system, which has yeah. a very distinct kind of visual. If you see it in a movie, you know it because it's, it's unique. It's has there's a lot of debate on how effective it actually is but i wasn't i wasn't put off by the four fight choreography i'll put it to you that way was it was it shot as well as anything in say daredevil or anything like that no but it, it worked it was serviceable okay robert you want to take a swing at this at what i'm talking about as far as the fight choreography i i think you're there's some of the stuff that i i see the filipino influence um especially when he deals with people with the last sequence when he's doing gun disarms yeah yeah that looked cool Speaking of stuff of dubious efficacy. <laughs> yeah, all gun disarms are, are of dubious efficacy. <laughs> you, you, you ain't kidding. But that, like that, you could see a bit of it, but uh, yeah, the rest of it, there's not a real... It doesn't feel like it has an identity. And... Okay, and so I think bland ham sandwich. Yeah, and I, I think that's a problem. Mm -hmm. like, and... And that's again, that's purely a stylistic thing, but it, it is, it is a problem. So there's that. Uh, it, also to the finale sequence, I don't think this movie knew how it. This movie knew how it wanted to end. I don't think for the longest time they knew what the climax was going to be, because pretty much everything after the confrontation between Batman and Riddler and Arkham is a series of anticlimaxes. Mm. 
He goes back to the Riddler's apartment where he happens to talk to the one cop who happens to be able to tell him what this tool is. Yay, plot convenience, I suppose. (laughs) Which just so happens to give us a lean over to Riddler explaining in great detail every step of his plan. Which then leads to a giant, what should be something truly horrifying, in a seawall like that breaking. (laughs) Yeah. Instead done in such a way that it's meh and your big final action and your big final bit is one you're fake out with the mayor elect getting shot and if you're going to shoot the mayor elect you may as well just kill her like let's have some stones here about what we're doing creatively you can't kill black women in 2022 shut up (laughs) it's not allowed she should have died you're going to be that stupid you deserve to die for the record Hey, here's a bunch of police officers who know more than me saying it's not safe for you to go poke your head out outside when a bunch of people are just storming into this place. And she goes, no, it's important that people do the right thing. It is immediately shot. Okay, (laughs) Quick question. Did anyone else notice that there's a little bit of of a continuity issue with where she got shot? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm not the only one. They they shot her originally in the heart and then conveniently moved it to a fleshy part of her side so she didn't die. Well, Which no, no she got, changed... I think she got shot like down here and then she got shot up here. <laughs> Something yeah, along like, those lines. That, it anyway. changed at least twice. Yeah. yeah. It was like it was it, like uh, it was terrible. like a sheriff of Nottingham's mole. Just kept moving around. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> and, so, and, uh, and again, and so your final big bit is again a, the umpteenth iteration of Batman walking through a hail of gunfire. Whoop de freaking do. Let me let me jump in here. Um, so my, I actually don't love the third act of this. When I when I, when I said at the beginning, you know, and I was doing my whole big gushing thing, it is overall the movie that I wanted, but again, not it's not without its problems. And the third act, I think, falls exceptionally flat, and for the following reasons: one, if you're going to show, if you're going to do a flood, a flood that's gonna, <laughs> a flood that's going to be of Noah levels, then show me that. Yep. This was, you know. <laughs> It's almost as if Matt Reeves was like, one, we don't want an R rating, and two, we want to keep the action focused on Batman. And so this this was aping a lot of my issues with and a lot of other people's issues with like Man of Steel, where if you're going to cause this level of destruction, we need to see people in peril, not the camera a hundred feet up in the air from orbit, you know, being held by Black Widow as she falls, and you know, and shooting, you know, tiny little specks that are the water. And you know, no, I want to see grave, gravest death here. I want to see people drowning if that's what you're yeah. doing. You have to show the impact of a giant flood. You, you really live do. in, you know, BF Utah. You live in Canada. I live here in Tampa, where people are. And if the street, and if the streets are flooded, people die. Or don't show a flood like that. Like the whole thing with the seawall probably could have been cut. All you needed was. You know, was a bunch of lookalike, uh, uh, you know, MAGA snipers is what they were basically, um, just standing on top of. For once, Madison's... I'm not the one getting us demonetized. I just want that <laughs> on the record. That's what they were. Um, I'm not taking a political position. That's what. No, they but were this re- movie certainly. Okay, God, hang, like hang, shut up. Um, so you have Follow your me. disaffected uh, neckbeard snipers, you know, in, in their hush masks on top of Madison Square Garden, shooting at people good enough the fact that they went and there's a flood and then the dam broke and then the you know and then it was dark out and, and there were wolves and, after me and then <laughs> there's a giant you know how much of a jerk 
is this version of Batman where people are being shot and he's up there on the roof of this building lining up his explosives so that the so that the glass will break and he can jump in and save people. <laughs> oh, they're no, shooting. Gonna... Damn, I've got to get my I've just got to get my pyro is, is, is not is as taking time out to paint the smiley face or whatever it was he did in the in the Dark Knight Rises. So that there's a nice little art project, you know, marking his return. Yeah. My point is the the finale is uh overblown and yet empty at the same time. All yeah. you needed was lookalike Riddlers shooting yep. into a crowd, especially because it's 2022 and that shit happens. That's all you needed to project the right amount of horror in your grand finale. You didn't need the flood on top of it. That was, and then you don't do anything with it. You know, yeah. film being a visual medium, and you show us, you know, and you show a little bit of a splash here and a puddle there, and meh. and then. For or some you need reason, a, Bat, for some reason, Batman jumps onto a live electrical wire, <laughs> isn't immediately killed, cuts it. But he was never and, grounded, though. It, okay, Andrew, what was true, the, you were trying true. to jump in before we went down this particular path, and I'm just stopping it where it is. What were you going to say? I think I'm going to generally agree. I think the problem with that third act was pacing, mm -hmm. because you never had the chance to let the whole flood. And actually, for the record. About 10 years, actually, almost exactly 10 years ago, Calgary actually flooded. <laughs> I did it? Yeah, actually, on my 30th birthday of uh, 2013, where literally the, the entire downtown area flooded mm -hmm. uh, pretty significantly right around my birthday that year. But, I mean, again, like, that is a significant event. Right. Um, Water will mess everything up. Oh, yeah. yeah like, have you ever seen pictures of, of, of New Orleans after Katrina? Oh, yeah. Like, but, it's, like, it's like Water World. Like you needed to let that breathe a little bit, right? Not breathing in the water, however, but you need to give that some time on screen to kind of understand what that implication was before you then got to that. But I mean, I think mm -hmm. Mark, in terms of cutting right to the, you know, they're just going to go hit the the um, the swearing in of the new mayor as opposed to throwing the flood in there too. Yeah, uh, I wanted to talk about real quick because you brought it up the confrontation at Arkham between the Riddler and Batman doesn't really work for me at all. I uh, here, Here's my only gripe with that. I think it's well, hang on. I think it's well acted. I think the dialogue is bereft of any significance. I think this is where I think the writing completely falls apart for me because I think like they, they had an idea of what it was they wanted the Riddler to represent and what they wanted him to say. And Paul Dano does a good job of speaking the dialogue in a dramatic way that was engaging. But when you think about what he's actually saying, what they're actually doing in that scene, and then Robert Pattinson's incongruent reaction to it. Like, if you think about The Dark Knight again, just as an example, when the Joker's messing with him and he's like smacking his head into the desk and, and Bale is coming unglued in that scene. He is losing his crap. And there's Heath Ledger just laughing at him all the way. Like, you are exactly where I wanted you, dumbass. You have, and therefore, with, with all your strength, you have nothing to threaten me. Right. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a pitch perfect scene. Now, compare that to the Riddler allegedly doing that with Batman here. And, you know, and, and you know, the now infamous, what did you do? And like, and I remember seeing that in the trailer. What did you do should have occurred a lot earlier in the movie. By the time we get to this point, and then he's yeah. like, and then there's another line about, you know, you're not as, which I love. I love the line delivery. I love what it represents. You know, you're not as smart as I thought you were. Okay, that's a cool line, but it's not surrounded by any context to really give it any weight, which is great for in a trailer. But then you see it played out and you're like, oh, they did nothing with that. 
And that's a cool line. That's a line of, you know, the Riddler who's smarter than Batman it's, taunting him. Especially when the payoff is, hey, I had a carpet tucker. <laughs> See, yeah. I, I'm I'm 100% the other direction on that scene. I thought it was okay. great. Well, I okay. think we needed... it, it, If I can split oh. the difference on the scene in, in its entirety. Mm-hmm. I liked the beginning of it when when Batman is not sure whether or not Riddler has figured out who he is. Mm-hmm. I thought they drug that portion of it out a little bit too long, but I liked the I liked the idea of that, where what Riddler is talking about and the way he's speaking is just like with Batman being paranoid now about maybe he does know my identity. Mm-hmm. The way he's saying things just playing on that enough to make him go, maybe I'm completely screwed here. Mm-hmm. I thought that worked. I liked when the Riddler came undone. Like when yeah. Batman's response to to this is, you know, you're not that special, man. Mm-hmm. Riddler does what all serial killers do when they're caught. Like, like he does what all serial killers do. They're caught. They get grandiose. What I did will be remembered and written about. And I did X and Y. And you're going to talk about me. The, 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 the ego inflates. Mm-hmm. And when it's appropriately pointed out that, no, you're just another small, sad psychopath, unable to function in society who killed people, they lose their shit. Yep. So and, that okay. all worked. <laughs> Andrew, what, what did you want to say? I think what worked for me about this scene is I think this I kind of alluded to it earlier about this whole idea mm-hmm. of who Batman is versus these two other characters in terms of Catwoman or, or that like to me, the, the dramatic, the drama of that scene was Batman walking in there and the Riddler saying, Hey partner, we've been working together on the same goal, mm-hmm. which I think, Heath Ledger's same exact line is so much better delivered with better with greater context in the Dark Knight. You know, I I wanted to see what would happen when I pushed you, and you didn't disappoint. You let X amount of people. That whole thing is so good, and it feels like, and it and it feels like they're trying to do it again here, and it's a bad imitation of that. Go ahead, Andrew. See, I think that's they're taking a totally different approach thematically in this movie, though. Okay, this is about. This is about, again, talking about, you know, the Riddler is on the same trajectory as Batman. The Riddler mm-hmm. is thinking he's solving crimes. He's thinking about he's finding the truth. He's exposing mm-hmm. lies. Okay. He's doing everything Batman is, except Batman Batman has a line the Riddler doesn't. And, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we've kind of made some comments about this. I think the whole idea of, of what Riddler was how they portrayed him, how they did that to me was a really affecting thing here mm-hmm. because we're now running into a world where there's a bunch of people who just have a totally different reality, mm-hmm. do things that they think are for the good of others and then are completely dumbstruck when it actually gets revealed to them that that's not the way the world actually works and they're doing it for truth, for things along that line. And, and, and there have we been are, some recent things in this country that, that have hit me that I found yeah. this affecting. I'll put it to you that way. We are running up against the end. So I want to bring up one last thing that I wanted to talk about desperately. And then I want to talk about music. And then we're ending the craft well, review. Let me give my last positive. You, you okay. <laughs> 50 be, words be, or less. I think the best thing about this movie, hands down, is the cinematography. Yep. Sure. 
the the cinematographer for this um he's done a lot of work recently he does work with um uh, the mandalorian dune. uh dune yeah that that guy has a real handle on some of the scope and the shots that needed to be done to establish that there's some there are some genuinely gorgeous shots in this yep. film and that that absolutely needs to be acknowledged uh i think this movie did one of the better jobs of trying to turn gotham city into a character there it felt yep. it falls down in places but uh this and the dark knight are probably the two that came the closest to giving the setting a character that mm. plays into what's going on my favorite scene in this entire movie my favorite scene the scene that i was kind of like you know kind of switching in my seat and i had a big broad smile across my face and and Robert knows this about me. There, there, you know, things like, you know, some of my favorite shows or whatever. Sometimes it's all about the um, the subtext and it's in the in, even in line deliveries and whatnot. Ooh, can the, I can I guess? You take everything from me and leave me nothing. But go ahead. <laughs> um, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna make a facetious guess. This is not my legitimate guess, but did you like the memorial scene, Mark? No. <laughs> uh, no, my favorite scene in this movie is where they have Penguin. It's after the car chase. They have Penguin cornered. And they're doing good cop, bad cop. <laughs> and, Je and Jeffrey Wright loses all sense of what that character is <clears throat> and just starts doing jive Jeffrey Wright. And I was here for it, man. <laughs> it, is, it is the most incongruous thing in this entire movie when he goes from what he's normally done to that. Can I also say... I laughed mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's, it's at least partially intentional mm -hmm. at the penguin being the one to go. I'm not the only one here who knows the difference between L and La in Spanish and mooks. <laughs> you know, when you, when you just are talking about like hard boiled detective noir and then you've got, you know, and like, and you forget for a fact, you've got a, you've got a guy wearing a suit of armor you know, and a, you know, and a jive talking cop, and they're just going back and forth, and 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 I almost wanted to go like, oh, you thought you were gonna get away with it, say, and they're like, oh, you're never gonna be copper, huh? you know, that's <laughs> going back and forth. I'm not, Dude. I'm not your buddy, pal. <laughs> you know, I, I pal, love. Buddy. It, it, it almost, it almost doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. It's so out of left field, but I loved it. It's like one of those things where, if you ask me, did it belong in this movie? No, because it's so aesthetically incongruent with everything else about this movie. I kind of, I kind of wish the rest of the movie had been more in line with that scene. Yeah, like do the redo the whole movie, but it's all 1920s gangster talk. You know, <laughs> like I'm gonna get you, Batman. Yeah, you never get me, Penguin. Yeah. Um, but my, I think my point is, I don't care. I was, I that one scene brought me so much just inner joy watching. It was like music playing, you know, you could actually, and the more I talk about this, the more I am going back and I'm watching Jeffrey Wright and he actually does one of these moves. He's like, you thought you're going to get away with it, Penguin. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and, 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 you pull, my, you pull the waistband of my pants up to my nipples. <laughs> and Batman's like, and, and then Batman goes into like his, like almost like dragnet thing. And it's like, and like, and on Tuesday you were here, but then that's when really, and you thought you were going to get away with it, but you didn't because we got you. And Penguin's like, man, <laughs> you know, just that it was rhythmic. It was beautiful. It, was it almost feels like it was written by somebody else. <laughs> yeah it 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 felt like it, it felt like someone wrote a song and they were just like interpretive, like dancing that song. And then the whole thing ends, and I don't know if I love it or I hate it. I'm undecided, but they leave, and Penguin's there, and he's like, 
fuck, dude? <laughs> like, you just <laughs> let me here. You know, and I, I said, I was talking earlier in the podcast, I said I was a little afraid they were going to make Penguin just too jokey. And they just do it that one time and it's fine. Um, and, and even I, then, but it, you know, it, he's, he's, he's not Burgess. Me- he's not mm-hmm. Burgess Meredith, you know, mm-hmm. wang with every <laughs> step. <laughs> <laughs> Within DeVito copied. Yes. Ugh. Uh, let's not talk about the monster that is Tim Burton. All right. Um, in the last three minutes here, unless you have a burning desire and feel like you did not get to have your say. Oh, believe it or not, I got I, I got one thing that I just I can't get off. I have to get off. Okay, then say it. 50 words or less. Go. I will suspend my disbelief for this movie for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Much as I think Batman walking into machine gun fire is stupid. You only said that 9,000 times. Hang on. I'll g- I think it's stupid, but it didn't make me roll my eyes. Mm-hmm. Like It didn't make me face palm. It was just, oh, that's stupid. Was it the squirrel suit? It was him surviving yeah. after he pulled that parachute. No. Yeah. <laughs> that was Just, a black widow. <laughs> I laughed. It was a black widow moment for me. <laughs> Where <laughs> like you you just you have to laugh because of the that's the only acceptable react. <laughs> like he's so dead. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like there I, I like no dead Look, robert this is a world in which magic magic exists just accept that that and has people... not been that has not been established in the world of this in this version of the batman oh it, it is because it's batman and batman only exists where magic does yeah. that's not true and you know it our, i was about to say we didn't painfully go out of our way to to establish that this is uh this is how batman has all of his stuff so but yeah i mean mm-hmm. i listened to a podcast where the host used to be the world record holder for the longest continuous scroll suit dive I'm waiting for him to get a hold of this movie and make that comment. But like I, again, I, I'm okay with him having the stupid suit. Like, okay, fine. You've got a glider under your suit. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Then don't when he pulls the parachute, have the parachute hit a bridge, have him then use all that momentum to swing up into the underside, smash his head on it, fall onto a bus. Fall onto the pavement and then get hit by a car. Like, no. <laughs> and then Black Widow's like, tough day at the office, eh? <laughs> like that and, and I yelled plenty about how many times Black Widow should have died in that stupid movie. Like just that one sequence. Dude, when she comes out of the apartment building, you know, hits yeah. everything on the way down on her head, even, and then and then gets up and goes, Mama. <laughs> and just keeps on. Yeah, it uh, Again, I was willing to go along with I'm willing to go along with Batman taking a lot of physical abuse, but the mm-hmm. bomb right here. <laughs> yeah. And then surviving that fall after the squirrel suit thing, like him again, him having it, whatever. Him surviving after that series of events, yes. no. This is like, a world where, where where nothing hurts anybody unless we need it to for the plot. It's a major inconsistency with the movie. I don't disagree with you. It didn't take me out of the movie enough for me oh, to it, care. It, but it I know you and I are not the same person. Like let that, me ask you a question, absolutely. Robert. Or let me ask you a question, Andrew. I'll go to, go to you. I'll yep. go to you right now. What did you think of the music that you can find on Amazon Music Unlimited in this movie? I think you can take Michael Gian, uh, Giancino's score... And mm-hmm. you can inject that straight into my veins because that is one of my yeah. favorite Batman scores. Absolutely real, love it. 100%. Again, that and the cinematography, easily the best things yep. about this movie. Great uh, score, I, 100%. I have to say, I really found the interesting, the use of uh, the Ava Maria really interesting. I liked the uh, the use of another song by a band we shall not name as to not trigger Robert. 
but I love the music in this movie. Love the final shot of them riding out to the music in this movie and, and uh, the Glasgow Necropolis. Great music. Where can I find more of this music, Mark? You, well, you can actually find the album Nevermind, the multi-platinum selling, uh, industry-changing Nirvana's Nevermind. I just avoided Am- it for this reason. <laughs> I don't care. Um, he has to he has to live in this world, and in this world, that's that album changed music for the and- worse. You know what? You know what? Hypothetically, Mark, let me just let me just indulge your stupidity for half a second. <laughs> yes. If Courtney Love murdered Kurt Cobain, oh, that's stupidity. If she did, yeah, she did the world a favor. You can go to Amazon Music Unlimited. I actually didn't, for the record. I actually didn't recognize that song because I don't listen to a lot of Nirvana, but mm-hmm. I'll take your word for it. Anywho, uh, yes, the song "Something in the Way" from the ba- from the album "Nevermind" by the band Nirvana, uh, you can find at Amazon Music Unlimited, and we happen to be giving away a free 30 day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. If you click the link in this podcast at getamazonmusic.com/w2mnetwork, again, it's getamazonmusic.com/w2mnetwork for your free 30 day trial. Stream all the Nirvana you want. Play it up, get a boombox like you know, uh, like John Cusack, and, <laughs> boombox. St- and stand outside Robert Winfrey's uh, domicile, playing something in the way over and over and over again to show Robert Winfrey that you love him and that whether he realizes it or not, that he loves you. On the um, off chance there's anyone listening to this who might be able in a position to physically do this, make sure you're in the street because if you're actually on my property, that's going to go real bad for you. <laughs> so again. Get yourself a boombox, play Nirvana on Robert's front lawn, and when you do so, make sure that you're using get our code. If get you, don't even have, you know what? I'm not even the one you should really have to worry about if you do that. Like, I've got three brothers. Two of them hate Nirvana more than me. I don't see how that's possible. Get AmazonMusic.com slash W2M Network. <laughs> Remind me to bring my brother. You really want to? Let me get my brother for a second. Nope. All right, folks. You guys get a weekly we- feature. We hate Nirvana. <laughs> no, we don't. Um... <laughs> I would right. be down to do that podcast. We can go song by song. I explained everything wrong with everything they ever did. I hate all of you. Um, and now the segment that everybody loves. Here comes the money. We're in the money. We're in the money. All righty. You know, I've never re- actually seen that clip. Oh, that's the that's the first for you? <laughs> no, yeah. I, I've heard the song. I've never seen the clip. Okay. The Spanish the subtitles are really what make it. Every time. <laughs> it's like the rug. It, look, it's like the rug. It really ties the room together. All right. As of this recording, which is the Tuesday after uh, Batman came out, it's Tuesday, March 8th. The film has earned $269 million against a budget of, on the high end, $200 million. It, it was obviously the number one movie of the weekend. For the record, if you're gonna estimate, if you're gonna guess about the uh, about the budget, well, it says, thing, hang on, it says 280. It says 185 to 200 million dollars. I'm gonna go with 200 million. I'm just gonna say, like, if you're gonna estimate, if you have a range, pick the high range on this one. They, of all the things I could complain about this movie and did, the budget was never a concern for this thing. All right, so obviously the Batman um, debuted at number one, as I said, and knocked Uncharted out of its spot um, from one to two. Dog, two to three, which Dog is actually doing surprisingly well uh, for the little feature that it is. Spider-Man No Way Home, still in the top ten, as a matter of fact, fell from three to four. Death on the Nile, which is bombing considerably, uh, four to five. Sing 2 maintained its position at number six. Jackass Forever, which was, it's making a tidy profit on a very small budget. 
Um, the only thing they had to pay for was the hospital bills. Yeah, and the paint, the in, in the paint for the penis in the opening scene of the movie. Um, Jackass Forever fell okay. from five to seven. What? I don't want to. I almost don't want to ask, but I have not seen Jackass, so I. The opening is like a Godzilla parody, but Godzilla is played by what's his nuts his penis. Fair enough. Yep. Yeah. Take take a child to that one and see how it feels when you he don't know that that's happening. Dude, he got paid more to show up in Jackass than he did for his last UFC fight. <laughs> You Cyrano. are not wrong. <laughs> That's the sad thing. Cyrano <laughs> uh, fell from nine to eight. Um, Boy, something speaking, of, speaking of bombing, that poor yeah. Movie. Uh, something Indian here debuted at nine. Scream uh, maintained its position at ten. Marry me currently day and date on Peacock, which is not a real service, right, Robert? Uh, really fell, not. Fell from seven to eleven. Studio six. Look, six. It, you want to know how little of a service it is? If Marry Me had gone day and date on a real streaming service, it would not have ever been in the top ten. Uh, fell from eight to twelve. There's a twenty. The twenty twenty two nominate Oscar nominated short films live action fell from uh, rose two spots from fifteen to thirteen. The worst person in the world, Robert Winfrey's autobiography. Um, I get to do that joke because Robert did it to himself first. It's true. Uh, rose from sixteen to fourteen. The cursed eleven to I'm coming 15. up in the world. <laughs> Blacklight thirteen to sixteen. Licorice Pizza. Uh, maintains its position at 17. Uncanto, which is back in theaters, as also uh, streaming it's, on Disney+. Plus. Okay, seriously. Encanto being back in theaters is Disney not only trying to capital... It's Disney and theaters combining to offer a free daycare service for an hour to parents. 18, Belfast, uh, currently in the running for a Best Picture win at 21 and 19. And finally, rounding out the top 20 is Moonfall by Great Fallen director cool. Roland Emmerich. Uh, after Yang, which Robert and I will be, I think I, that was the one I was going to pair with, uh, everything always and anywhere. Um, uh, later in the year debuted at number 25 guest freedom at 31 Huda salon at 35 adventures in success at 39 <laughs> things we know nothing about. <laughs> and that's that. Um, <clears throat> I just, I, I just want to touch on a couple of different things with the with batman and the money i think it was the second highest debut of the pandemic behind spider-man no shit sherlock um it uh it's tracking to make a billion dollars unless people uh you know are, are put off by the three-hour runtime but it has i don't even have to look at the calendar i already know there is absolutely no competition yeah. until april 1st and we are at the beginning of march so it has It'll be the number one movie for at least the next four weeks until Morbius hits on April 1st. And then, you know, and then we'll, we'll we can revisit this conversation. But I know you wanted to quick say something about that, Robert. So, you know, if, oh, if I, it, it, what do you, I mean, you think you wanted to talk about a little bit about how the runtime is going to impact the, uh, the financial run. I don't just think it's the runtime, which is mm -hmm. certainly a part of it. Again, there's a lot of people who are just happy to see a Batman movie that isn't connected to the baggage of the rest of the DC failed EU. Mm. I do have a question about the rewatch value of this thing. Now, I might be wrong about that, but I do have a question about it. And look, the last time we did this show, I kind of said that, yeah, Morbius has no chance of unseating the Batman, even though it's going to be four weeks later. Having now seen the Batman, I'm not as convinced of my argument then as I as I am now with more evidence. So we were talking at work today about like the, there was a guy on the, on the local news here in Tampa who apparently broke a record for the amount of times he saw end game. Like it was in the hundreds of times. I don't know how you have that much time on your hands, <clears throat> I but, do. but to, to your point, 
you know, I don't know how many. This is an end game. Um, this isn't, you know, or even Spider-Man No Way Home, which is a which is the finale of a of a of a series. Um, this is its own. And one of the things I actually do like about it is it's its own self-contained. I don't care about potential sequels, which is I think it's <clears throat> I think it's already been greenlit for a sequel. I don't care Religion. when it was when it was presented. Yeah, right. When it was presented, it was presented as its own singular art project, um, its own conceptualized film, not part of a, you know, it wasn't the end, the beginning or the middle of a new series. Uh, and it, that, that being the case, I'm and, and I'm going to throw this out there between the runtime. It's the fact that it isn't connected to anything or a celebration of anything. And it's going to be on HBO max in about mid April. I'm wondering how many people are like, eh, it seems fine. It's not Spider-Man. It's not Endgame. It's not Ghostbusters. I'll just wait for it to be on HBO Max. And, you know, my wife, who is a big Robert Pattinson fan, she was cheering for this movie to bomb because he said on Twitter, if it bombs, I'll do porn. And she was like, well, I'm here for that. So, um, <laughs> but she, you know, she's not somebody, you know, she's not somebody who not felt the need to see that movie. And she, and she's one of these people who would probably do better seeing it at home. And I feel like, there's more of my wife out there than not. Now go ahead, Robert. I was going to make a disparaging comment about Pattinson and the adult film industry, but I believe I will sit on that one for now. As will he. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I like the no sale in Robert. Robert's soul, I can see Robert's soul die in his eyes just now. It's really fascinating what's left of it. Um, yeah. I smile, but I'm dying on the inside. <laughs> I, I've right. got two quick thoughts on Batman, really quick, from a box office point of view. Yes, sir. Reminds me. I think one thing you already mentioned it is mm -hmm. that, because what's the window on this one for HBO Max? Forty-five days. Forty. So there might be people who are going to wait forty-five days for this. Like we're still I, right. That's that I, was my point. To see what would have happened to Spider-Man if it had a forty-five day showing up on on Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever window. I think on the flip side, well, I'm sure. I'm sure the spinoff television series that'll be on HBO Max will do quite well as well. I'll right, we'll see hey. how that one goes. Uh, my other thought on this one was, mm -hmm. I think at least talking to people that I know, there were a lot of people who were very ambivalent about this movie. Just mm -hmm. again, given how mixed the DCEU has been and how dark this movie appeared from from the get go, and I mean, it is a dark movie, but it's also not relentlessly grim as the Snyder movies were. Yeah. So like there have been people who who have asked me it's like, "Hey, is this too dark? Is this you know, what is this on on kind of that scale?" And it's like, "You know, it's dark, but it's not any worse than a lot of other stuff." So there's people who might go now see it on the second weekend based on on word of mouth. Might look, I have an 11-year-old daughter and an 8-year-old son, almost 8-year-old son. They both liked it. They've th their opinion was we both like oh, it. We've wow. seen better. Okay. Um, God, I hope they change that. So I, I, I had to look up the whoever they had do the, um, the Joker. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. it was uh, Barry Keough. I was minorly disappointed yeah, that wasn't Joaquin no. Phoenix. I was wait, I was waiting, and only because like in my head I was like, it's watch it to be Joaquin Phoenix, and then it's not, and I don't know who the hell that was supposed to be. But I was like, meh. Yeah, um, I, I. No, recast that. No. Okay. Hey, I want to do the worldwide box office and move on. <laughs> All right. Currently in the num number one in the year. I've of already seen Sherlock. I don't need to see him try to do Joker. 
War, uh, something called Watergate Bridge, currently at 480 million. Again, we, we did this. That's the sequel to the Chinese propaganda. Oh, that's film. right. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Uncharted, currently at number two in the world at 272 million. And right behind it, Ooh. nipping at its heels, is The Batman at 269 yeah. million. Uncharted, two, not doing well. Well, no, I think I think uh, it had a small enough budget that it's that it's been a big success for Sony. Didn't it have like a north of a hundred million dollar budget? I think you're, uh, I think you're sniffing glue. Um, hang on, um, you know what? Do me a favor, Andrew. Can you look up the budget on Uncharted for me and just scream it at me when you find it? I'll look it up. Hang on. All right. Well, while you guys doing that, let me go back to the bit here. Uh, too cool to kill. Uh, two hundred seventeen million. Yeah, its budget was its budget was one hundred and twenty million dollars. Well, it's got north of its budget. What are you crying about? I said it wasn't doing. Well. Look, this was a project. It's, pro it's profitable. God, <laughs> it barely. It, this thing is gonna scrape by. I'm this is a movie that they wanted to do, like in the five to six hundred million dollar range. Okay, let's not. Like, can we not be the people who shit all over Shang Chi? Okay, it's doing hey, fine. We and I, you and I, did not dump all over Shang Chi for that. No, but, but no, but they, remember the cottage industry of going, it's it's a bomb, it failed, yada yada yada, with no context. Uh, look, we can say it didn't do financially what they wanted it to do, and you and I both did say that. We also were happy to caveat that, given everything that was going on at the time, and the fact that Marvel doesn't actually care all that much about turning a profit when they're trying to churn out new characters, because hey, guess what? We'll do a crappy nostalgia trip and in you know six months and recoup all of those losses so who cares uh scream at 138 million death on the nile 115 if you want to talk about an actual bomb jackass forever at 71 million marry me at 47 uh dog at 47 moonfall uh, at if i were to, 39. If, we, if we were to talk about an actual bomb it would be yeah <laughs> like yeah, that's the, the one that or the 355 <laughs> all right Boy, did that thing bomb too all right, folks. And I, and I can't imagine why, Mark. You know, the, <laughs> they have a scene where you literally see Jessica Chastain going bang as she pulls the trigger on a gun in slow motion. Okay. What and, could uh, possibly have gone wrong with that film? I don't think there's anything. That, I mean, I, I mean, we could be the people that read off every single accomplishment financially this thing has made, but I don't need to get that in the dirt. It's doing well. It, it, yeah. I don't think this. I I think this cracks the billion. We'll we'll talk about it again in four weeks when when yeah, you know, it has to go I, up against Morbius. Again, I I had a bit of a question about whether or not it actually got to the billion mark. Mm -hmm. uh, I I never. Generally speaking, it's I mean it's now comparable with Captain Marvel and another movie that did a two hundred and fifty million dollar opening worldwide weekend, and it tracked for a billion. So I I yeah I, I the evidence all the evidence points that way. I. I I, at this point, I'm fairly sure. Like, yeah, it'll probably. I'm I'm pretty confident it'll get there. Right, and I'm not hearing anything about an unnamed virus of unknown origin spiking infection a variant. rates. Yeah, uh, or well, a variant that, well, therein. Well, look, that's if I might put on my comical tinfoil hat for a moment. Well, before you do, it's also going to debut in China, which is almost a guarantee that it does well. Yeah, no, that wasn't going to be my tinfoil hat moment. Mm -hmm. My tinfoil hat moment relative to the unknown virus of unspecified origin is, well, everyone's kind of focused on the war. <laughs> so they don't need to distract us with another variant. Yeah, there, there's a topic for discussion months. that I don't want to have. How much pulling in, everyone pulling out of Russia, including this movie, uh, is going to infect its bottom line. But I mean, like, you know, what was Russia really going to add one way or the other? Uh, Russia well, has look, an economy at the size of Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but so much more oil. 
That's we're all starting to feel. All right. right. Uh, no, we're no. actually the third largest reserves. I think we're actually ahead of them. Already. Well, okay, how much do you export? Them? Oh, my God. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> half of you, uh, 52% of uh, what America brings in actually is. And now the critical me. review. Are you ready? No! I said, are you ready? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Been doing this with you for over a decade. I'm just yelling, shut the fuck up from now on. But, um, but, <laughs> but I want to talk about the real world oil distribution because gas prices are going up astronomically here. At and... the time of this recording, <laughs> god damn you, uh, the, the Batman has an 86% critical review on Rotten Tomatoes and an 89% score. So, uh, better than average on both. Um, the Critical yeah, consensus. once again, uh, I'm I'm the guy. I am the pigeon pooping You're on your statue. You're not a lone ass face. Jesus Christ! I'm throwing a pity party. A grim, gritty, and gripping super noir. The Batman ranks among the Dark Knight's bleakest and most thrillingly ambitious live oh, action outings. Get bent. Hang on. <laughs> I take issue with this being the bleakest Batman interpretation. Yeah, I don't agree with that either. I don't like, know. That, if I, that's yeah. a that's a wild misread of all of this. And I don't know if I would take calling it the bleakest as it being complimentary either, because it's like <laughs> it is not as as Batman's not a bleak icky, character. Can we, as all right, icky you know what? Hang on. <laughs> I'm also gonna just say this, and you're all gonna have to. This is not a this is not a hot take, by the way. But let's just acknowledge the universal truth about something. Batman the animated series is still the best iteration of the Batman mythology. Okay, we, we got to move this on. All right, kicking things off with our good friend Doug Walker. We hates you, Doug Walkers. We hey, hates hang on. you. Mark oh, no, hates Doug him. Walker. <laughs> oh, see, Andrew, Andrew's with me. My brother from another mother from Canada. From Channel Awesome. A wonderful, a wonderful, There's more some than awe. A wonderful send up of pulp, pulp detect. Send up. Do you even know what that word means? No, moron? he doesn't. He's Doug Walker. A wonderful send up to pulp. Detective Comics, Batman has origins in. Dark and grown up, but not afraid to be weird and silly as well. Why were they being silly in this? Well, well I mean... How were they being silly? Uh, well, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Besides the parachute thing. And no, 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 not even that. That's weird either. Yeah, I, I don't understand... I don't get where they might get too weird out of this. Um, yeah. And the only silly thing was Jive Jeffrey Wright. That's awesome. I, I love right, him. It, <laughs> again, well, I only meant that one scene. Like, that's silly. Yeah. But it's not ridiculously silly. And no, this is not a send-up of Pulp Detective Comics. You idiot. You don't know what a send-up is. All right. Eileen Jones of The Jacobin. The Batman is both too dark and not noir enough. Unless you mean dark from a purely visual perspective, I kind of disagree. This is one yeah. of the things that somewhat annoyed me about this, believe it or not, because they're clearly cribbing off of seven for so much of it. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to maintain the PG 13 rating. So when Jeffrey Wright holds up the picture of look at what he did to my partner's face and, and Penguin goes, Oh, what am I looking at here? You're looking at a crappy screen cap from the video that he live streamed. There's nothing wrong with his face in that picture because we can't offend the little kitties. 
I'm Mark not sure Jack- what they mean by the back end of it not noir enough. Like this is a, a noir. <laughs> yeah. Like it's um, conventions. Hang mm-hmm. on. It's more hard boiled than noir. There's actually a difference between the two genres. Okay. okay. Hard boiled. I think of that. Hard boiled is. Well, hang on. It might be more. I'm trying to remember which is which, but there is a difference. One of them features the detective in his home element. One of them features the detective not in his home element. Like he's still competent, but he's in a different location than he normally operates. I forget which is which, but it's a believe it or not, it's an important distinction because one is the detective. He knows who to talk to. He knows whose cages to rattle. And one is him having to meet new people and learn new things. And okay. they the lead long, to different. The longer things, you but... go on here, the less we time we have to do this. Uh, Mark Jackson. So, so if you want to look at the two different. <laughs> Mark Jackson of Epoch Times working through some of his psychological issues. This is a goth Batman. He's also no. a furry. Wait, no, wait, come on, shut up. He's also a furry. Furries create their own animal character, a fursona, which functions as their avatar within furry communities. So a goth furry with Catwoman making up his furry community of two, it's fairly fun but too long. Sir, did you miss group this week? Jesus Christ. I think he's out of his meds. <laughs> you guys can see the look on my face right now. This is a different part of doing this show, and I have no idea what the hell he watched. Dude, were you watching Fur and Loathing in Las Vegas? He, he was he was on ill hallucinogens is what he was on. Yeah, that, that makes no sense. <laughs> uh, Alif Majid of Battle Royale with Cheese. Despite the weight of its long running time and some unwanted subplots, the Batman offers plenty to celebrate as one of the best versions of the character. Yeah, again, I'm going to disagree with that. Like, if you want to argue this movie being one of the better Batman movies, sure, there's some really low hurdles to clear to get there, believe it or not. Schumacher looking straight at you and half of what Burton did, you monster. But. Like, this is actually one of the weaker versions of Batman as a character, despite what they tried it. I don't hate the place that... I was one of the guys who said I didn't hate the fact that, you know, Batman killed people when his in the version of in, in his version of Batman versus Superman. I thought that was a bunch of people missing the point. But I don't like this version of Batman. I think it's a very weak iteration of him because there's so much nothing to his personality. Like, when he's not in the suit... He's kind of nothing, and I, that's a failure of writing. Um, <clears throat> Ella Kemp of We I Love Cinema. That, but then we're going back to debating the movie again. <laughs> there. Matt Reeves gets caught between not being fun enough while also refusing to lean fully into the darkness, Batman, offered by his premise, creating something that's undeniably watchable, but also very serious and safe. I think that's an... Uh, I think of all the things you're going to criticize about this, that's a little bit of a wonky kind of setup. I I don't disagree with it. I, I just said, like, if you're going to do the serial killer thing and, oh, his face got eaten by rats, you know, you got to kind of show a little bit of that. <laughs> and you don't. And it's very obvious why you don't. And it, it's just yeah. kind of weak. This is a quick comparison. Uh, I'm going to say, I think they, they did a better job of kind of inferring that that kind of level of horror off screen in the dark night when they were doing all the, you want to know how I got these scars gags. 
or I, I feel or like he, you brought I feel like you brought that up in another podcast that I just listened to recently. Well, either that or or you know when Joker snaps the pool cue in half and just leaves it hanging and says, "Yeah, we only got space for one of you." Yeah, like, there's more than enough implied horror there. Whereas this, it's like, oh, we're going to show these people staring at a corpse that's off screen, and then the Batman doesn't even really react to it. Like, okay. Right. We're, we're at almost five minutes left of when I wanted to do this, so I'm going to do two or three more of these, and then we're, we're cutting this. Um, Marianne Johansson, a flick philosopher. No snark. No spandex pantomime. Spectacle. Just noir mystery. Pattinson, sad recluse, a detective in a cesspit of corruption. Relentlessly grim, all darkness and despair, not escapist, but not escapist, but of our time. And I can see Russia from my house. <sighs> Why is this woman employed? Yeah, that's <laughs> not a good sentence. Yeah, I was having a rough time with that. I mean, normally I'd blame you for that, but that one's entirely on her. Yeah. And then we can't even go with oh well maybe it's a it's a weird translation from the Hindustan nope. Times. Nope, it's Flick Philosopher. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Ed Whitfield of the Tray. Tray Robert Winfrey of the Screaming Boy yeah, Podcast. I am not, and again, that only works on Ronnie. <laughs> if the film falls short of greatness because Reeves didn't know when to cut and run, it is in its final extended form a superior comic book adaptation and brooding thriller in its own right. You're not again. He's not wrong about the uh, about Matt Reeves needing to know when to cut this thing. Uh, I'm not. I'm not as sold on this being a great adaptation of the comic material, mostly because it like Hush at least had a personal connection with Batman that story, mm-hmm. and trying to kind of transpose the Riddler on top of that just. It's not bad in as far as mashups go, but I, if we're talking adaptation, I don't think it's a terribly great adaptation of the material. It's a great iteration of it, but that's not the same as an adaptation. Correct. I would say on some level, this almost felt like reading some comic books where it is almost, there's a few too many plot points. It's a little bit too long. Please check mm-hmm. the spinoff. Yeah. All right, last one here, and then I'm done. Dave Poland of Hot Button. In the end, this may be the best Batman movie, but it is also maybe the least entertaining Batman movie. Hmm. Hang on, I got to think about that. I have no problem putting this in my top two. I, I don't know if there's any. Yeah, the fun part. I don't know if it's objectively wrong either, though. I'm again when you talk about is it the least entertaining Batman movie? I mean. I'm going to go with no, but that's a harder thing to think about than I anticipated when that was when I first heard that. Like, hang on, is this the least purely entertaining? I that's, mean, that's very subjective. It is, but I mean, like, even if we apply broad, cri- I can apply some broad criteria here and let's just, let's just run through these for a second or two. Mm-hmm. For, for entirely the wrong reasons, mind you. But if you're not entertained by Batman and Robin, like, it's a terrible movie. Absolutely terrible. Wouldn't piss on it if it was on fire. But you can't watch that movie and not laugh your ass off. All right. Um, Not forever, which kind of in the same vein. mm -hmm. This was more entertaining than Batman Returns. By a pretty significant margin, I think. 
right. But that might be the only one of them, believe it or not. Like this is this is a movie that is not designed to entertain in that particular context. And I don't say that as a negative, mind you, but if that's the criteria we're going to establish, I don't think that's an unfair observation about it. So well, there's been a I new feel- definition of entertainment, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> we're at the two hour mark and I and I really feel like we got it. And I wanted uh, this is the last oh, thing well, I'm gonna say. Hang g- on. Give me the last word because this relates yeah. to the critics. Well, to the Robert... idiot from Variety. <laughs> oh, Who's... okay. I, if you were going to do that, I wish you'd. Ha- I would have found the quote first. I've already shut down the Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, day, don't so... worry. You don't have to look for it. Yeah, go ahead. And... I'm not going to do the whole quote, but to the idiot from Variety, sure. who said this was a deconstruction of superhero mythos, you pretentious asshat. <laughs> There's nothing deconstructionist about this. Not one frame of this deconstructs batman or deconstructs superheroes every iota of this is entirely within very well-worn territory nothing about this is deconstructionist shame on you and shame on your crappy publication all right that's it folks i think we got it um and the only thing i wanted to add really quickly was one thank you both um i I, you seem better now than you did two hours ago robert so hopefully you feel better and you don't feel quite as adrift and alone and orbiting the greater cosmos as you did at the start of this and angry at the rest of us for not being there with you. So it's not so much the rest <laughs> of you for not being out here with me. Like I accept that you all want to be fine and happy where you are and God bless you. Knock yourselves out. But I would like someone to be out here with me. <laughs> well, they are right. You it's go find. Go go find they're out there, Robert. Go find your people. Um no, you want to know that. No, I don't. No, so I, me, what I want to do is end the podcast. You brought this up, so I'm just gonna say this briefly. Uh-huh. I do know some of the people who are out here with me. And frankly, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I am aware of I see the line, Mark. <laughs> I am aware that there are people out there who some of some of whom do not hold dissimilar opinions from mine, but there's just so many other things that I can't like, Hey, I didn't like the Batman. Well, I didn't like the Batman either, but boy, Thor Ragnarok is the best thing since sliced bread. And I pull out the claw hammer. Okay. The point, the point of this that I really wanted to get to was I've really enjoyed this discussion. This is one. And and I, and I want to thank you both for it because whether we agreed or disagreed, we had a lovely, nice discussion we had the kind of discussion I enjoy having on here and the whole reason I get up and do this. But more to the point, this you is know, one of the... You know everyone turned this off as soon as you and Andrew stopped gushing, right? Like everyone came, <laughs> got their opinions validated, yep. and turned off the I, podcast. I gave everyone a proper hand job and they went away satisfied and that is what I am here for. But my point being, for the third time, we've done so many of these, you know, and by the end, like Ghostbusters, Suicide Squad... Uh, Batman v, v Superman, just so many of them over and over and over again, where by the end of it, I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to watch movies anymore. I'm <laughs> sick of the culture. I want to go into the woods to live deliberately. And for the first time in years, I we took on a big movie with a lot of polarized opinions, and I don't hate myself and everyone on Earth after having dealt with it. Like, I could, like, I could, I could talk about this much... <laughs> I could talk about this longer, but I think I think we got it. My point is, this was a this was a not only a genuinely enjoyable movie for me to experience 
uh, myself and with my children, but an ex but a genuinely enjoyable conversation I got to experience with you two. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. And like, again, thankfully, this wasn't the worst, most negative experience I've ever had, like it was with Ghostbusters and fucking Suicide Squad and a few other movies off the top of my head where by the end of it, I was like, maybe I shouldn't podcast anymore or talk to people <laughs> <laughs> or have a Twitter account. I'm oh. going to start an, I'm going to, I'm just going to pay attention to OnlyFans. That's it. Um, that's, only <laughs> all you, that's all you use Twitter for anyway. And at least on Twitter, it's free. Stop judging me, fuckface. All right. No, um, <laughs> going to judge you. It's kind of what I do. Speaking of stop judging me, fuckface. Hey, Andrew, want to do any of your plugs? Sure thing, Mark. I train at uh, Esteem Martial Arts and uh, Esteem and Havoc Martial Arts here in Calgary. Uh, available on uh, Reachable through uh, through general searches. Also on uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of your major um, all of your major social media platforms. We are open again, uh, running classes five days a week. Um, go check out the website. Go check out the Facebook page. Uh, lots of great training in terms of uh, karate, Jeet Kune Do uh serata screama jiu-jitsu catch wrestling uh the latter two you will probably find me at and i will find ways to warm you up or you will hate me by the end of it but otherwise have a good fun night but uh, anyway uh otherwise thank you very much guys i'm gonna do your Every, plugs for everybody, you everybody everybody hates the guy who has to do the warm-up i'm gonna do your plugs for you <laughs> robert for this for the sake of brevity because people are waiting on us to finish uh robert writes for 401mania.com uh he writes he does mma live event coverage he does wrestling live event coverage um you can find his podcast the forum the 401 ground and pound the 401 mania ground and pound radio show which uh records sunday night airs early monday morning so go to 401 mania look up robert winfrey and you will see all of his great works yeah the great part of that is shut up a little bit <laughs> um great i read and listen to all of his stuff so i'll second that in two you weeks, you do not read my reviews of MLW, and I know it. Take the all your fucking, MMA related stuff. Take the hand job <laughs> and be done with it already. Um, <laughs> turning, Robert and I will be doing a damn you Hollywood for turning red and cheaper by the dozen in two weeks when I come back from the Dominican Republic, and then in three weeks we've got another double header damn you Hollywood. We'll be doing Deep Water and Windfall, both uh, movie streaming on Netflix and Hulu. Um, for myself. Uh, you can check out my schedule on. Uh, you can check out my schedule on uh, the the W2M Facebook page as well as the Rattle Legend Broadcast Network Facebook page for everything coming up. Uh, we promote this stuff live every day on uh, Twitter and Facebook on our various pages. Um, you can check out clips of our show on TikTok at I, I believe I'm at Mark Rattledge or something along. <laughs> you can find me at look up Mark Rattledge on TikTok. I'm there. Um, we also have a W2M TikTok where all those clips appear, but with less stickers uh, that I put on them. <laughs> we have an Instagram, <laughs> all of that. So subscribe, like, and subscribe. Uh, if you like also, the meat, but not the sauce. Go to the W2M. <laughs> yeah, you just want the bare bones. It's on W2M's TikTok. Um, I gussy mine up. Uh, like, please like and subscribe on YouTube or whatever podcast you choose to listen to the traditional audio medium. It helps us out a lot. Right down there. Um, and lastly, Jesse Starcher big timed me and went out on his own and has, now has his very own source material exclusive feed. So if you like source material, but hated me, now you don't have to deal with me at all. Subscribe to his source material still under the W2M banner, still through our speaker feed, but he has his own separate feed now. 
So you can subscribe to him on iTunes oh. or. Uh, that's or, why uh, our numbers <clears throat> are down for the month. No, they're not. Um, that's why. So you can um, subscribe to him on Spotify or or uh, Apple Music. All right, folks. Thank you for joining us here on DMU Hollywood. Again, we'll be back in two weeks for the great Andrew Graham, for the greater and never alone and always loved Robert Winfrey. That's be well. a lie, and you know it. <laughs> be well. Be safe and behave. <laughs>